Hey, this is Nudge Rocket from Onslaught, and you're listening to Murder Metal Mayhem. Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666 mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal Fuck the yeah, going on. Nice to hear Nige Rocket from Onslaught saying yeah, some murder yeah, metal yeah. mayhem in a British accent sounding all <laughs> loving the, it. All scholarly. Yeah, know. yeah, we'll go with scholarly. <laughs> Sophisticated. That's right. It is Tuesday, and of course that means one thing. Some murder metal mayhem's going down in Fuck episode yeah. 111, man. Just only 555 away. There you go. Dude, that'd be amazing, man. Wow. It'd be like getting social security and talking about doing the 666th episode wow hell so, guys so i got me chris joey here tonight yes, in studio sir. as always uh how's it going everybody going good man how's it going yeah. good you guys recovered from your uh weekend jaunt yeah it was a good one that's yeah, for sure that's gonna be a good yeah, uh, a story blast, you guys got a couple little tales yeah. to tell i've heard so yeah, yeah. That should be good, but it's good to see you both here. I was hoping I wasn't going to get a, a phone call about <laughs> somebody wound up in Falling county jail somewhere or in the hospital, yeah, from some crazy-ass shit. Uh, last week was our bonus episode on American hero Rick Rescorla. Amazing story. Got a lot of good positive feedback from that, which is really cool. That's great. A couple of my Army buddies I sent the link to, and they, they were very impressed nice. with how we did it. So that was awesome. Of course, Rick saved 2,700 people at the World Trade Center on 9-11. And, of course, 9-11 was Friday uh, last week, so that's why we wanted to do it. And it uh, looks like a lot of people dug it, almost 1,000. Hell, yeah. It was like 960-something when I checked it this afternoon. So that's awesome. And uh, Rick Rescorla's story is an amazing one. So if you missed it, go on and check that out. It's worth it. He was definitely a hero. Yeah. Now, tonight, going the other way, Chris, we got a real sick son of a bitch. The opposite of hero. Yes. God damn. (laughs) Bob Berdella, Joey, the Kansas City butcher, man. A sadistic motherfucker killed six, tortured him to death, literally, uh, in Kansas City in the 80s. Fucking crazy. It's a horrible story. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, this is probably. If not the worst one, like up there in yeah. the top five I, of most gruesome ones we've I covered. I mean, his uh, actions, I think, were, like, honestly, a little more brutal than fucking David Parker Ray. I was going to say David Parker Ray's I fucking... would say it's it's pretty damn close, yeah. man. It's and David Parker Ray let his go. That's right. You know, and didn't really kill him. Right. But the, this guy. Yeah, he this guy really went the distance, man. <laughs> So it's a horrible story. Probably a lot of you don't know about Bob Berdella. I did not know about him until I heard the uh, Dan Cummins Time Suck, I think, was the first time I'd heard of him. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. Yeah, he's a fuck. This is crazy. So grab something to eat, a cold one to drink, and bunker down. Man, it's going to be a sick bastard tonight. So. And we got our buddy CK ready to throw down some metal knowledge. Going to be doing his thing on the UK thrash metal gods onslaught. Been jamming the shit out of that new album. I can't stop listening to it. It's going to be really cool. 
Um, and then plus for the first time, we get an interview uh, with a member of the band that we're, that we're featuring. featuring. So okay. that's pretty cool. And it's going to be with Nige Rocket, the guitar player and founding member. Um, the Patreon, the 666 Club members have already heard this. Right. But we're going to play 10 minutes of it. They got the whole thing, which was like, I don't know, 20-something minutes. Half, yeah, close so, to half hour. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you're a 666 Club member, you've already heard that. But the rest of you uh, will get to hear at least some. And uh, we're going to talk Onslaught. We're going to play a little bit of it. It's going to be badass. Uh, talk about sick as fuck. We're going to be doing some hell coming, guys. Yes, We've been talking we this up. And I think it's going to live up to the challenge, man. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Tag team killer fights is awesome. It is, dude. dude. Yeah, so we did this in March Madness or March Mayhem with the serial killers, like our killer cage match. Right. But this time, taking it up a notch with the with the tag teams. And some of the tag teams this, are great. They are really good. Love them. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's brought to you exclusively by Folk and Nuts. Been talking about them, the best peanut butter on the planet. Man, I've already ordered this shit three times. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Since I've been working at home, it works great for lunch, you know. Yeah. But, man, it's some good stuff. Um, he's going to be sending us some samples. So hopefully next week we get to try some in studio and talk about it because it's really good stuff, all the flavors and all that. So... Uh, the contest, we got 16 tag teams fighting the death in a cage. We got four listeners competing for those prizes. We got some really good ones. Of course, Chris, the grand prize is going to be what? Co host with the murder segment with us right here at Murder Fuck yeah. Mayhem, baby. And uh, they'll do that on Messenger, and then they'll get to uh, uh, pick the topic, Joey, which is cool. We'll yeah. give them a list they could pick from. Right. If they've got another suggestion, like uh, last time when we had Steph, yep. she picked Warnos, and Warnos was not originally on that list I gave her. So, yeah, so we're open to suggestions for whoever wins. But the rest of the prizes are going to be badass. I mean, we got Murder Metal Mayhem stuff. We got T-shirts. Peanut the, butter. The peanut butter from Folk and Nuts, because they're going to send a big jar and a small jar to each winner. So this is going to be awesome. And all four will win prizes. But, of course, the grand prize right. is the uh, co-host spot with us. So that's going to be awesome. And that's in the Mayhem segment, so you'll get to hear that. Also, thanks to our overall show sponsor, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Tony Campagna so just bringing it, man. The baby's fucking head, dude, dead baby, baby head. Goddamn, dude. Fucking crazy uh, fingers, fucking arms. The spike, you know, Joey, you've talked about that before. With yeah. the, he'll do custom stuff for you. Yeah. So bands, if you've got a cool like stage setup, and you and want you some like nasty. really lifelike looking body parts and heads and holy shit! I mean, he did that. The Jesus head was fucking crazy that he did. Yeah, and your your little story about the thumb drive when you was printing yeah. off copies today. Dude, yeah, I made some day. hell coming posters, and I went to a store with the thumb drive, Tony's thumb drive that looks like an actual severed thumb. And the guy, the manager of the store is like, what the hell is that? And he's taking <laughs> pictures and shit of it. So, so bad it gets attention. It so spellboundeffectsandart.com. Got that hat, the vests and shit. Chris, you would look fucking God, wicked in that hat, dude. <laughs> uh, big thanks to all you guys out there listening to the show. It's very cool to see the numbers rolling in. Just over 5,500 listens last week which is amazing and i'm blown away guys we have got a lot of german listeners 
Frankfurt just all of a sudden showed up in the top 10 all last week. Hell yeah. Was in the top 10. Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, there's a, a military and army base there, and I'm wondering if that may be because of the Rick Rescorla episode. That's possible. So that's that very sense. possible. So thanks, guys, for listening. And, of course, thanks for your service. And then China. I don't know what is going on with that, <laughs> but they are the second most uh, the country that's second most behind the U.S. Yeah. Above Thanks, the U.K., above Canada. That's crazy. Above all of them, and even Germany. Germany's on the list, but they're not They're not there. So, wow. So thanks to all our Chinese, Chinese listeners. I, I don't know. We're not speaking Mandarin, so apparently <laughs> yeah, they know English, they but that's awesome. I mean, I know or a they lot just, of people over there are like sick shit. So. Yeah, definitely. That's true. That's true. So we appreciate it. Definitely uh, a huge metal scene in fucking China oh, and shit, yeah. Japan. Yeah. Now, we got a lot of stuff on our plate, like always. We got a dude who likes to tie up other dudes and do some seriously shit, sick-ass shit to them. So, fuck, Chris? Fuck yeah, dude. Let's take a little trip down to Kansas City and get our fucking murder on. Hell yeah. Hey, y'all, come on down to Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. We got that new Goremonger shit coming at you. That shit's fucking slamming, dog. You can get one for your sister, your cousin, and your aunt. That new CD, coming out hot, Road Not Taken, 2020. Fuck the ass records. Can I buy one for my grandma? You can absolutely buy one for your grandma and get one for your pa, too. all right that was one of four (laughs) spots we did for bob's bizarre bizarre and if you don't know what the hell that is oh you're gonna find out you're gonna know all about old bob berdella and his bizarre bizarre so before that it was baxter stockman uh killer metal band from columbia missouri some friends of mine uh, from the three-headed moses days back in low 12 epic shows we did with those guys in slug trail but two of the guys from Three Headed Moses are in uh, Baxter Stockman, so that's good stuff. And CK is going to talk about that actually in the metal segment because Luke sent that in for us to okay. check out. So thanks to the guys for sending it in, and we encourage all bands uh, let us know what you're doing, send us your stuff. We'll play it we'll out. Play it we'll play it if we like it. it. Yeah, no so. shit. All right, so uh, here we're going to dig into this one, guys. Bob Berdella, an American serial killer who kidnapped, raped tortured and murdered at least six men in kansas city from 1984 to 1988 his crimes are so fucking gruesome and sadistic fuck dude yeah i couldn't even imagine what some of these motherfuckers oh my went god through, i mean man. some of it was painful to even fucking just watch or right. hear Read about. about or hear about yeah. man just awful the media dubbed him the kansas city butcher and also the collector we'll talk about why the collector here in a Which bit he was he hated one name, probably loved that one. <laughs> yeah, he I'm probably sure he did. Yeah, that. he was all about the collector. Um, he documented every detail of what he did to these fucking guys in a journal, took almost 400 uh, Polaroid pictures during the torture. 
Some of them you can watch, you could see for yourself on, you know, if and you Google it. I, I've looked at them. I looked at a few. They're pretty bad, man. Pretty bad. Pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, it is amazing to me that more people do not know about this guy. But like we've said before, some of these guys just kind of fly under the radar. So it's kind of funny how that is. Now, Chris, how did you first hear about old Bob Berdella? I think Cashman. Okay. I'm pretty sure Cashman talking about him. I think that's, that's cool. the first time I ever heard of him. That's cool. And then Joey, I mean, what is it about these guys that fly under the radar? I mean, do you uh, think it was just like the other people like Dahmer, um, you know, Gacy, Bundy, the killers of that era, maybe? I, yeah, I kind of agree. That's got to be what it was. Mostly them just pulling spotlight in the media. And it, it's just crazy because his crimes are so fucking fucked up very yeah. fucked up man uh but like it is amazing that a guy like this could fly under the yeah, radar and maybe and it's because be he's from kansas city you know flyover country yeah kind that of thing. could be but i mean i was i've been into true crime forever and to be honest the first time i heard of him was because of macabre doing a song about him really it, in on their murder mail album they did a song about him uh I mean, I had to look it up, you know, after I fucking started hearing to figure out what this guy was all about. Right. And after I did, it was exactly like you're saying. It's like, damn, how the fuck don't I know more about yeah. this guy? You know? Yeah, big time. So, yeah, very, uh, very interesting one. But uh, I'm really, uh, you know, it's as gruesome as it is, it's always fun to do one of the lesser known yeah. crazy ones like this one. So, Oh, yeah, insane. Yeah. Now, he was born in 1949 in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which I thought was funny because that's where Sick Rick lives. <laughs> yeah. When we were uh, out in uh, Cleveland visiting Jenny's brother, we went and took a road trip to Cuyahoga Falls where Rick lives in his studio and all that. And uh, I don't know if you guys noticed my Sick yeah, Rick shirt. It really, yeah, it's fucking tight-ass yeah. shirt, man. <laughs> and Jeff Gaither did the design, so yep. that's really cool. Jeff's a friend of the show. And so, yeah, so Sick Rick, you know, he's the one that does these masks that we have here in the studio. So check it out at SickRickMasks.com. Gaither did our logo. Yeah, and Jeff Gaither did do our logo. So it's just always cool to be able to cross-promote with other people. And both of those guys are class acts, man. So now, one guy that's not a class act, Bob Berdella, first of two sons. (laughs) I mean, he wasn't to everybody that... At I mean, first, he seemed, he like, seemed like a pretty nice guy. You know? Right. Uh, his dad, Robert Berdella Sr., uh, he worked at a Ford plant, and his mom, Mary, was a housewife. Pretty typical, you know, for the time. Uh, Cuyahoga Falls, not a bad area. Um, it's not too far from Cleveland, about 45 minutes southeast, and kind of close to Akron. Um, that's where Devo's from Cuyahoga Falls too. Nice. Rick actually knows those dudes, <laughs> Holy shit. which is how he did that mask. <laughs> yeah. he, he's got that one mask he does. <clears throat> that's fucking great. So yeah, so pretty funny stuff. But uh, working class kind of town, uh, very standard Midwest type environment. So that's how he was raised. In a you know both parents, he did have a brother. Um, you know was seven years younger than him. Um, but, you know, born in a pretty normal type household. Now, Chris, he's born in, in a strict Catholic upbringing, going to mass all the time. And we've seen that before with some of these guys where they're in a somewhat of a strict religious type environment. Sometimes they yeah. get kind of weirded out I'm, from that. I, it didn't seem to me like anything I was checking out that he uh, 
the religion had really anything to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I ain't saying it didn't, but nothing that I saw. Right. I guess I saw some shit that his dad might have been a little. Yeah. Uh, super physical. strict physical yeah. with him and whatnot. Yeah. I but, mean, but at the time, that's not such an no, uncommon not thing. at all. You know, maybe but, nowadays. Yeah. You know, you can't go whipping kids with belts and stuff. Oh, yes. Back you in can. the day. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so he's got a brother that's like very opposite him. Seven years younger. Um, the father's real big in sports. And of course, Bob's not. He's, you know, could hardly see. He's, you know, kind of the kid that wanted to stay inside, not do anything, you know, physical. He's got this younger brother who's really good with that kind of stuff. So Bob's dad, you know, is kind of focusing on the right. brother. But he did, uh, according to what I had read, did beat them with a leather belt or strap. But again, not that uncommon for the time period. I mean, I got my fair share of belt whippings, and I would have oh, been raised too. in like this. Well, I was born in 67, but you know, would have been at this age, like in the 70s. So right. a lot more common at that time, certainly, than it would be now. Um, but And he was born 20 years before me, so definitely, you know, a time when that was a little bit more accepted. Um, but I wouldn't call it abuse at all. And like you said, Chris, I don't think I would say that his religious upbringing was a big influence on him. No. But the only thing I thought possibly is the Catholics are real big on guilt, and if he's realizes he's homosexual, that could have been a big source Huge of some thing, guilt yeah. and maybe part of the reason why he acted out. But it's hard to say. Um, now, his teachers would say he was difficult to teach because of his odd ways. Oh, yeah, because like you forgot to mention, like because of his eyesight and everything. Yeah. Like he uh, had apparently had really thick fucking glasses. Yeah. He couldn't see. He had a lisp. Right. And so and other than... Not doing the sports like you said, so right. gave, kids the kids would have a reason to fucking fuck with him. So like, with all that going on, I'm sure the teachers had to fucking fight that off too, because he's right gonna act up probably. That's true. Yeah, I did uh, somehow skim by that. Um, so yeah, I mean he's he's got a lot of things going against him. Um, he's bullied quite a bit um, as he entered puberty. He realized that he was gay, but he kept this hidden, which, again, would not have been uncommon at the time. Um, and we've talked about that often on the show where the homosexuality issue becomes a maybe a reason why some of them lash out. They have to be kind of forced into the quote-unquote closet. And definitely his dad wouldn't have approved of that. Definitely not. Um, and I also read, I think that was in the book you had, Joey, uh, that he was sexually assaulted by another male... I saw that too. At his yeah. first job as a cook when he was in high school, and this would be his first gay encounter. I thought that was interesting because I did not, uh, I didn't know that. Which, uh, it, like you said, I didn't see that. I think that was in the book. I think you're right, but um, it's odd because I didn't see that pretty much anywhere else. No. However, if that is true, that's a fucking super indicator of why he would become oh, the way he did think that's for the way he did. Yeah. First sexual else. encounter yeah. like that. Yeah, right. It's going to be like, oh, this is, this is it. Yeah, because I've, I've read and listened to enough of these true crime docs and podcasts and stuff where it's when the sexuality and the violence like come, merge. Come together, yeah. They put that like two and two together and so the only way they can have sex is in yeah. a violent act. 
Yeah. And it's like the two go hand in hand, well, and it's like they, they can't break it, you know. The the, the area for pleasure and the area for pain in your brain is side by side. That's true. So it's so just that little line that yeah, so crosses. Yeah, people that, you know, yeah. associate the two very, very yeah. much together. Yeah. Now, Chris, do you think um, him being gay had something to do with maybe the bottled up anger or some sort of thing? Oh, that- 100%, because he couldn't, like you said, he couldn't just go and tell his dad he couldn't tell people because back in that day people would just like kick your ass for it right anything that you tried to report as a crime they'd be like well you're gay and we don't even fucking care fuck right. off that's yeah they gay. would have been mocked that's gay right <laughs> he would have been mocked and ridiculed he was already getting mocked and ridiculed so i sure he didn't want any more of that right now, as he hits his teen years, he's got a little bit of self-confidence, and this comes kind of off as like an arrogance, and especially toward women. Um, he did learn how to cook, and he did enjoy doing that. Um, his dad dies of a heart attack at the age of 39, and this kind of fucked with Bob. He did find some solace in his religion, so there's the religion thing again. And later on, he would have issues with it, and become very cynical. And I'm sure a lot of that would have been, you know, hey, the Bible says that, you know, homosexuality is a sin. Yeah. And that's what I am. So I could see where that friction right. would be like, fuck you. If you don't accept me, then fuck you, you know. And, yeah, being, and he wasn't was, about it. The fact his dad was only 39 when, when he yeah. died of a heart attack. Yeah, that's pretty damn young. Yeah. So he had, a you know, heart issues in his in his blood, uh, literally. Um, now, Joey, we're starting to see some early signs uh, that he's a little bit off. Um, do you see the same kind of signs at this stage of his life? Yeah, it's, I mean, would they be noticeable, though, if you were just hanging out? Right, with the guy? probably I, I don't know not. if they really were. No, it's like kind of setting the yeah. table right now. It is now. funny because some of the things that I read about him, you know, a little bit, trying to catch up a little bit more and, you know, um, get some of the newer shit for this podcast it was fucked up because a couple of things seemed biased to the point where they were trying to push that he had had a shitty childhood. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're like, oh, of course, with a bad child. It's like, no, every everything that I've ever read about this dude, like the actual factual stuff, it wasn't that bad. And right. even he himself will tell you that he had a pretty normal upbringing. Yeah. I think that just because it plays into the stereotype. Exactly. You know, you're kind of expecting every yeah. one of them to be a Pee Wee Gaskins or yeah. a yeah. Henry Lee Henry Lucas, Lucas and these horrid now, fucking upbringings. With Berdella, if, if the incident, like you were saying, of getting assaulted at a young age happened. That is definitely where a turning point could be seen. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, and his dad dying fucked him up too. And his dad dying, but he seems to have had, um, a fantasy going on already in his mind. He followed the steps of like Leonard Lake and those guys. And, uh, he wanted to live for certain fantasies. It seems already were dwelling in his mind. Right. And, it's weird because I know you're going to talk about the collector coming up here in a second, but uh, that's all based with a female and stuff. And, you know, you start getting yeah. that and it gives you ideas right. of what to do, but he ended up, he would do it for with guys. Right. So it's like, man, how much of that was already going on in your mind? Sure. And this is just showing you ways to do that. Oh, yeah. Super. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because like you said, I mean, 1965, um, he sees the movie The Collector. Yeah which is based on the book by John Foles. Um, I've read it. It's very good. Which, that was fucking... 
Leonard Lake's Bible. Yeah, was dude, that, yeah, he had it in the bunker. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had it everywhere. He loved that. He, fucking he talked book. about he it constantly. Shit, the Miranda Project. He yeah. did, yeah, because that was the character in the book. Yeah. So the book slash movie we've talked about with Leonard Lake. Gary Heidnick was yeah, all about yeah, it. Yeah. Of course, we know Gary Heidnick was all about the prisoners. In the basement. Yeah. yeah, so and we've covered both of those guys. So if this whole concept of the prisoners in the house type thing is interesting to you, go check out the Leonard Lake Charles Ng episode we did and then the and then Gary, Gary Heidnick one yeah. because those are good. Uh, the book, again, uh, about a guy who's obsessed with a young girl. Uh, he keeps her as a prisoner. And he collects her, you know, and it's very he, fucking he twisted. Butterflies too. Yeah, right? he does. Yeah. Um, and so it's very fascinating. Yes. <laughs> um, now Burdella would say that that movie had a very lasting impression on him, and he's quoted as saying, "Quote: My darkest fantasies became my reality." Unquote. So when it came to this, um, it, you know, that's how he looked at his victims. You know. It fucking definitely became his reality once he. I'm sure once he saw that movie, that was another turning point. He's like, oh, oh yeah. it all fell is, together. Yeah, everything came together. It was like uh, Joel Rifkin with Frenzy. That's true, dude. You know, yeah. He just yeah. loved it so much. That yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. Or Dahmer with uh, Exorcist, Exorcist 3. 3. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now, Chris, the book and the movie has influenced a few of these guys we've talked about. It's very interesting how much of an influence. That book has had on so many of these sick bastards, man. Yeah, like uh, like just saying, like fucking Dahmer himself. But that book in particular is yeah. pretty fucking nutty, dude. I wouldn't doubt that David Parker Ray was about it too. I don't remember hearing no, that. No, I don't but remember anything. But I who, would David Parker me. Ray doesn't seem to me like the type of person to read. To read, <laughs> I saw, I saw, uh, maybe he saw the movie. Yeah, maybe he saw the movie. I saw some, you know, doctor of whatever. I don't know who it was. One of their fucking articles, but they were talking about. Uh, they were basically talking about Berdella, um, Raider, BTK, and uh, Leonard Lake. And their journaling of things and right. stuff like that. So it also got brought up with the the story of the collector, and right. they definitely said with like and, and probably Heidnik too, you know. But like and um, Berdella for sure that the turning point of that book, the 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 thing about that book that they feel is uh, what set these guys in emotion like that is because okay, so you trap the girl and you've got them and this and that. The moment that she starts to respond and actually become the submissive servant that they're looking for yeah. in the book, that's what gave those guys the idea like, okay, this really can happen. Because uh, if it had just been a story about capturing a girl and she had fought her way to get out or something like that, they said it probably never would have had that oh, kind of... okay. Like, I get it. Though. So yeah. it's the idea that she's going to eventually give in and right. accept it. That's what they love and that's what excites Interesting. Them. Interesting. Yep. Very Interesting. Um, now, Berdella's mom gets remarried, um, and Bob does not like it at all. Not like that fucking long after his dad died. It was no. only like a few months. I know. It was, it was of, pretty quick. <laughs> kind of felt like, okay, I feel like you guys were fucking around before dad even died. Like, right. quick. Like, oh, that yeah. quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, having gone through that with losing a spouse, I mean, it is awkward because you don't know like what's the appropriate amount of time but this one did seem pretty rushed yeah, it was literally like a few months is yeah all. um it does feel um you know that way for sure he felt his dad was being disrespected by it 
Um, he becomes even more withdrawn. He goes into, you know, painting, collecting coins and stamps. There we go with the collecting. Yeah. Um, and writing to foreign pen pals, which I thought was kind of crazy. But that's going to come in handy yeah, for him later. It, it oh, does. Like it starts a business for him. Yeah. It does, because that's how he starts getting his stuff, like the stamps. He's also getting photographs of things. Um, strange fucking things, too, like shrunken heads, all kinds of fucking... Yeah, the occult, like weird stuff, yeah. you know? And so from 65 on, he would collect a lot of weird things. But like you said, Joey... This would eventually inspire him to open his business, of course, as we joked at the beginning of this. And we're going to joke three more times. That's right. Bob's <laughs> Bizarre Bazaar in 1982. Dude, so we'll get into that soon. I even saw some shit that it, in there. He had like these 2,000 or whatever year old jars of Egyptian tears or some shit. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, what that's the fuck? <laughs> like, jars full of tears? I ain't gonna lie. Like, oh, I would have been all about checking right. this place out. And, and as you've long been as to my place. Keep like, his fucking oh, yeah. hands to himself. My house is kind of fucking eccentric and, you know, I got some collections and shit kind of too. So as I was, you know, reading up on Burdell and about the Bizarre Bizarre, I was like, dude, man, that's something I could really get into. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I should start networking with some of my weird ass friends and see what oh, kind of sure. weird shit I can get from their place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Now, after he graduates high school in 1966, he moves in uh, or he moves uh, to Kansas City because he got accepted to the Kansas City Art Institute. He had aspirations of being a college professor. He did well in school, but then started kind of bucking the authority and, uh, you know, but not uncommon in the 60s. That was the thing, right? He grew his hair and... Starts hanging out with some bad people, and hanging out with Shawback Nation. Doing yeah. some LSD. <laughs> and he's hanging out with the the art crowd and the beatniks and shit in the right. 60s and shit. Right. Yeah, he's he's all into it. He starts abusing alcohol. And uh, now what I thought was fucked up was the whole animal torturing thing. Now, As, these are normally that's a little kid thing with these guys, but he's, he's in, in fucking college. college. Yeah. yeah. He gets up in front of the class and boils a duck alive for yeah. an art project. Uh, fucking tell me how that's an art, art project <laughs> and how is the teacher just sitting there letting watching this go like, on? Wait, yeah, I mean that was what I was wondering about. Like, yeah, how can you just the let teachers that must happen? have been like these hippie, you yeah, know, stoned out of their minds. Something fucking, about the time periods, it's like I guess it, man. it's hard to you know, but if you look at like cinema going back, like. There's movies like Campbell Holocaust and, you know, a few of those that show the animal, right. you know, killing animals and things right. like that. And for whatever reason, that was part of their artistic vision. And I that guess. is what stayed with people and fucked them up, too. Even more than watching somebody die, you know, watching a turtle get his yeah. head cut off. It, yeah. It's fucked up. I it, mean, baby chicks he did that, this with, too. And yeah. then he fucked baby around with tranquilizers. Thing. The baby chicks thing was weird because he, like, set up this, like, little fucking maze. Oh, yeah? And fucking they, he gave whoever entered the maze a fucking chick. And then they have him go through this maze. And at the end of this maze, there's a video of him fucking, like, shooting a baby chick. And they just freak out and squeeze the chick. It hurt. It would like hurt the chick really bad. Oh like, wow! He, like having the other people fucking. Oh, that's fuck fucked up. up I didn't know that. Yeah, shit, say that. Oh I mean, man! Nowadays you're like, oh, that's gonna be a serial killer. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. But back then, I swear, yeah. man. Was, oh, he's so artistic. Yeah, oh, dude, that's it was so, so weird. deep. You know, like fucking uh, John Waters doing Pink Flamingos, which is one of the most ate up movies of all time. But they do a sex scene in there with live chickens where they're fucking killing the chickens during it. <laughs> 
And like that was just part of what was happening yeah. in that. It, but yeah, it's so fucked up. It is fucked up. And then the whole tranquilizers with the dog too, that really set people off. Yeah. You know, you you know, people are one you know, it's one thing like, you know, you said with the animals, but then you step it into pets. Yeah. And that's when people get really fired up. That is know, cats and dogs. Yeah, that's it's fucked. fucking and that dude fucking he kept tranquilizers his whole life. Oh, he was all about the tranquilizers. And it's like, man. he also had dogs. He had chows when he got busted. Right. Man, I wonder if he even gave a shit about the dogs or they were just his way to get the fucking drugs he needed. It's possible, dude. Weird. Right? It is yeah. fucking weird, man. <laughs> I don't know what he, kind of art school or this maybe is. maybe he loved them and he might have fed parts of the people. I mean, you don't know that. No. Because it never came out, but right. it's a possibility. It is very possible, dude. I can't believe this even went on, but whatever. Um, you know, he does get booted out or asked to leave eventually. And Joey, I mean, this is definitely a serial killer in the <laughs> making. You start seeing shit like this, like yeah, you said. You right. Know? It's just so fucked up. Now, well, like you said, it is odd that it was such an older age in college. Right. Because we've read the stories of the younger kids, you know, what was the one that was banging the cats against the trees and doing shit yeah. like that you know that's what we've heard of as younger yeah, kids right. you know but to do that as you know when you're older i think israel keys was doing that we shot the cat and it ran around the tree yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of crazy shit now um he's 19 years old bob Berdella gets busted trying to sell meth to an undercover cop that's not good uh he gets out on bond and winds up getting a five-year suspended sentence and if you're not familiar with that term, uh, that means, you know, that uh, if you do anything during that time, you wind up going to jail. Uh, if you stay out of trouble, then you stay out of jail. Um, but a month later, he gets <laughs> busted with some pot and LSD and has Son to spend bitch. five days, which I thought that's pretty pretty easy. Yeah, you know, how does five he get five, bit, five days? He got five days because they dropped the fucking charges. Oh, that's right. Why they dropped charges? Lack of evidence. Lack of evidence. The cop right. took his shit and went and partied. Like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we ain't oh, got wow. evidence, We got to turn this in. <laughs> oh, shit. I thought this was ours. Uh, I saw that it lack is the of 60s, evidence. I was right? like, what the shit? I know. Yeah, I wanted to you just busted him selling meth to you, you know. <laughs> what did you do with the meth? Right. Uh, 19, it's a good point. 1969, he withdraws from the Art Institute after getting some criticism for torturing ducks, chickens, and fucking dogs. I mean, really? What the fuck do you expect, yeah. dude? You guys um, don't like my art. <laughs> fuck fuck you, guys. you guys. I don't want to play with you anymore. Uh, he moves into this big-ass Victorian house at 4315 Charlotte Street in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Kansas City. Which is where his house of horrors will be. That's right. That's right. He is openly gay at this point, spending much of his time with male prostitutes, drug addicts, and petty criminals. So he's hanging out with some bad people. He also gets into taking in these teen runaways and guys... This is, you know, there's a bunch of them that he reminds me of. And yeah. here's a Gacy fucking yeah. thing. He would claim to help them with their addictions and to get their lives in order. As he's a drug user and dealer. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he would say he did this throughout the 70s, but he never had sexual relations with them. But definitely that was proven to be incorrect. He well, was even his doing this all his life. Thought that he was helping people. Yeah. I mean, he's always got these wayward fucking kids like, showing oh, up. Yeah, we just figured, you know, what a nice guy, a dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just helping these guys yeah. out, get them on their feet a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, Chris, definitely some Gacy similarities here. I see. Um, yeah, you know, Gacy like, with the PDM contract yeah, hiring all the kids, the kids working for him, and yeah, I mean, it's a good cover up. I guess. I, yeah, he hasn't that we know of murdered anybody yet, but it's a good cover up to pull off different crimes or whatever. Yeah, because he's and hanging out with bad people. Right, and if like your neighbors are used to fucking people that age coming in and out of your house, right, it's nothing wouldn't new be paying attention at much. all. That's very true. And plus, he's fucking stoked because, you know, he's been working with kids his whole life. He's still young. Right. But he works with, you know, mm-hmm. areas that he can still be involved directly right. with these people. Right. His victims range between 18 and 20, all six, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Not one of them was over 20, so they were no. all Like, like I said, young. you're used to yeah. seeing that age group walking in and out constantly yeah i mean and this is continuing into the 80s and now his adult friends don't want anything to do with him i mean would you it's like (laughs) i mean him and gacy basically around the same time yeah he must have just largely uh gulfed this story because of the clown thing probably the clown thing and the number of killings because both of these are in the midwest right brutal as shit yeah, this would have been right after Gacy, because yep. Gacy was like late 70s, early 80s, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, despite his denial of any sexual contact, it is, you know, later discovered that that was going on. And he's using his financial help and giving these people a place to say as a, you know, kind of a control thing over him. Um, that's when he starts to get off on that control stuff. And a lot of these motherfuckers are drug addicts or have right. problems that he can uh, capitalize right. on just by having something around the house. Or like, right. Oh, yeah, come on over. Exactly. He's got plenty of room. Um, and, you know, because his, you know, life was out of control and he was bullied and stuff as a kid, now he's got the upper hand, and I think he likes that. Um, as he's getting older, though, he's finding that as he gains weight, he was having a hard time finding men to be with, and that's when he started to turn more to the prostitutes. Um, and he became very bitter over that, of having to do that. Um, and they referred to the male prostitutes as chicken, chicken hawks. hawks. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> in the gay community, hanging out on 10th and McGee in Kansas City. Apparently, that's where it was going down. So It was crazy, like... Fucking, I mean, it's not that crazy, but they were talking about he would picked up. I can't remember which one of the the guys, but from the the Greyhound station in Kansas City, right? And I've been to that Greyhound station in Kansas City, um, but I've been a lot of places on the Greyhound, so it's not that big a surprise. But if I was to pick one of the most dangerous places that I've been, oh really? It would be that fucking Greyhound oh, station. Oh wow! And I had to stay overnight one night, and it was just fucking oh damn, kind of creepy. And you know, I went out and I met some dude, and uh, I was coming back from California, and I was like, man, fuck it, I just wanted to get some weed or something, you know? Right. And this dude told me he had some hash, and it, man, it was just I was like, I'm gonna get ripped off, I'm gonna get ripped off, and dude was cool, and everything worked out. That's but, cool. I mean, the rest of the time, I'm just watching wow. over my shoulder, and fucking. Yeah, that's not a good feeling <laughs> at yeah. all. But anyway, it was pretty crazy that he picked up one of his victims there. Too, yeah, so. that is kind of crazy. <laughs> now, according to his neighbors, um, the house was kind of messed up; it wasn't being well maintained. Um, they would say he's very flamboyant, but very civic-minded, very likable guy. Um, he was the chairman of the South Hyde Park Crime Prevention and Neighborhood Watch. 
Um, you know, he would help raise money for the organizations well into the 80s. So, Joey, he does have a lot of those Gacy traits with the civic mindedness, you know, very likable. Yeah. On the surface, seems like he's got his shit together. Yeah. And I I mean, that's that's part of that duality of life that some of these serial killers can, can, uh, you know, obtain. And he was also in the way of Raider. I think he was involved with like Neighborhood Watch, right? And all that, and it's like, yeah, because you're the motherfucker they need to be watching out for, right? So you can see what who... better thing to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Me and Chris saw something today. They were like, it, just some random fucking slideshow about Burdell or whatever. But they were had a couple interviews with some of his neighbors, yeah. which was cool. And one of them was saying the same thing about how you know he was likable, this that. They said, but the one thing about it that I'll never forget is how much that guy stunk. Yeah, they did. <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, for real. That, one of his <laughs> oh, neighbors. Wow. That, I didn't see that before either. Oh, wow. I, was like, I didn't hear that. That's funny. That is kind of funny. <laughs> I did not know that. And I mean, the dude had some decomposing bodies and things, you know, within yeah. his home and other things. Yeah, they so. said his house was nasty, yeah. so I guess yeah, there's like no surprise. It was like fucking borders and shit. They said yeah. like a maze to walk through and yeah. shit. Yeah. Now, it was at this time he moves into the house on Charlotte and he starts working as a short order cook to help pay the fines of that earlier drug arrest. Uh, See, he, I thought it was crazy. He was so young, and he bought a freaking house. Too. Yeah, like, he I know, bought it. big Work, house. Yeah, working as a line cook. I mean, I know. But yeah, his dad just died too, so he might have oh, got something. Some kind of setup. That's true. Yeah, I didn't okay. know that. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think about that's that. That's a good yeah. point. I wondered the same thing. It's like, where's he getting all this money from? Well, and he also was, he I was mean, selling drugs too. Yeah, I guess that's drugs. true. The house. I mean, it, it never, from any picture I saw, it didn't appear to ever be that nice anyway. Right. Probably around Kansas. He, probably he might be got a, a good deal. Yeah. Sure, sure. <clears throat> he would sell art and antiques that he got from these contacts he had throughout the world. So um, this was a, at first like a side gig. Uh, that he was doing out of the house. And like you said, Chris, he's kind of a hoarder and he has all these antiques and artwork all over the fucking house, like a maze. Um, now 1982 is when he would rent the space at the Westport flea market in Kansas city. This would be the business that so many would know f- of him. Bob's bizarre, bizarre. You got it. <laughs> fucking right. Yeah. We got three more of those coming up. <laughs> Joey, you did the first one yep. and me, Chris and CK did others. So, We'll get to hear those as the show progresses. Uh, if you remember at the beginning of the segment, we did that fake uh, commercial. We got three more of them coming up. Um, also, you could find copies of his old business card. Yeah, I if saw you the Google copies. It. Of the, like that slideshow that cool. he was talking about that we watched. Oh, okay. It, it showed a, like, a couple different like business cards and like shit with his address and shit. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Or well, we get shirts made with that one. Dude, there you go. <laughs> that is not a bad idea. Yeah, some Bob's Bizarre Bizarre yeah, shirts. Yeah, good. that would be pretty cool. Um, we got three more uh, of those, though. If you like that, you'll get to hear more of it. Uh, he's making a good profit from the business, but it's you know not enough to pay all the bills. But he's selling all sorts of odd things. And in a pre-internet world, this would have been stuff that was hard to find. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, like you said, Chris, the shrunken heads. He's got these books on the occult. All these weird things you said, Egyptians, tears, and yeah, all sorts of crazy shit. shit. And that's where that whole uh, international pimp out thing came into order. He's like, oh, yeah, I can use this to fucking right. Come He's up got with people that he corresponds with all over the world that's, at a time when you can't go on Amazon and buy whatever the fuck you right. want or eBay or whatever. Now, Chris, it was at Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. He met fellow business owner Paul Howell. 
but Bob would take an interest in Paul's son, Jerry. And we've seen this before where parents let their kids hang out. You know, Gary Plowshey would yeah, be one that comes to Gary mind. Plouchet. I mean, what is it with that? I mean, you're a, a parent like me, dude. I couldn't imagine just letting my kids go off with somebody I don't know that well. You know? uh, I don't even let my motherfucking kids go with cash. But no, I'm just kidding. That don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jerry was 19, though. True. He yeah, he that, wasn't like know. a kid kid. True. Right. And back then, like, you were older. You'd yeah. Really, you're considered an adult, I guess. At a younger yeah, age more age. of an adult. Yeah. True. Yeah, I guess that's true that he was 19. Not to mention, I mean, it's like, hey, kicking it with this dude, and you know he's homosexual. Right. And probably has a penance for younger kids, and that's your younger kid. If you're bringing around, I mean. Yeah. What? Fuck, man. They could have been dealing with drugs with each other. And right. They could have been... Weird relationships. With all sorts of shit. Now, I read that Jerry and his friends would taunt Bob about his homosexuality, but in private, he would tell Bob that his friends and him would earn extra money for performing sex acts with men. So these dudes are, you know, definitely out there. Yeah. Even if Paul Howell moved his business, you know, out of the flea market, these two are still together. This on-again, off-again friendship. They argued a lot, but then would make up. And then his dad was getting pissed that his son is hanging around with this dude. So a lot of stories I'm sure the dad's hearing and probably not liking if you're asking people, you know, hey, what's this dude all about? You know, you hear about him selling drugs. You know, he's got all these fucking young dudes hanging around all the time. Joey, it's pretty fucked up, though, that uh, Bob would decide on his first victim here. Yeah. And Jerry Howell, turns out, was friends with his last victim. Oh, that's right. Which is fucking crazy. That is crazy. Which Dahmer had two brothers. Oh, yeah, he did. That's true. I mean, you know, they run in these circles. I guess it's not that big a world in in those areas. But at the same time, it's still weird to put those, uh, those together. And, you know... Did he have victims before Jerry? I mean, it's a possibility he did. The only reason I'm not so sure if uh, if if um, Brutus uh, Ravella had any more victims is because he was so um, meticulous about uh, categorizing everything and keeping a yeah, journal there was about no it. Other right. journal about I think anything. that he would have definitely like it, wrote it down. Yeah, and the Victors. stuff they say that they talked about with Jerry Howell and the transcripts. Right. It definitely seemed like that was his first kill. Yeah. So. I think you're right, but I think there is some evidence that he did rape because he was known as a yeah. date rape. Oh, you know, no, I'm sure that, that he did some really fucked up shit before. I just don't think right. he ever crossed that line till then. Right. I think there was also a couple more that he was never convicted of. Or I think they said that um, through everything that they went through with the investigators, they really could connect him to eight people oh wow so interesting interesting and no bodies so nobody yeah, nobody exactly. yeah. now yeah i mean it's it's july 5th 1984 um bob lures 19 year old jerry howell to be his first known victim um i read that he owed bob money and bob was pissed he wasn't paying him back and that's when he decided to act out on this fantasy to collect a human sex slave just like the collector. So he tells Jerry he was going to give him a ride to a dance contest in another town. Oh, they didn't go dancing. No, they did not. (laughs) He would later say he gave Jerry some alcohol, Valium, and an antipsychotic drug that Chris in humans was, you know, uh, 
you know, a sedative for animals. So it definitely a pretty fucked up cocktail there. I want to try it, bro. Oh, Let's it was like do this. <laughs> like ketamine. Yeah, it looked, probably, probably could it have been ketamine. Yeah. 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 I kept some of the longer drug names out that I don't, I think I did see that somewhere though, the ketamine reference. Because he just, I mean, he was all about animal tracks. Yeah. He, and I saw, and it must have been back then, it was, you know, a different time, of course, different situation, but right. he was able to get, obtain a lot of those through the mail. Right. Like, like they were just animal oh, supplies, the animal, medical right. supplies, and there wasn't probably regulations on them right, back right. then, and now it's like, fuck, try yeah, that, you know. But exactly. you got to have licenses for all yeah. that shit now. Right, right. So um, he gets into all this stuff. He gets poor Jerry knocked out, and uh, this is when the collector stuff would kick in. Um, you know, he's collecting stamps and coins as a kid, antiques and art as an adult, and now he's progressed to people. Yeah. Um, and this would be just like his idol, that character in the story of the collector. So pretty fucked up chris uh what he did to jerry howell was absolutely fucking awful yeah and then to take pictures of it and records of it dude i mean and that's that, just fucking that's, sick man and also that's when the fucking polaroid first came out so i bet you that was best oh like, yeah the best but yeah because yeah. he didn't have to take the film somewhere he could do it himself you know yeah and poor jerry dude 28 hours of fucking just straight brutality oh my god i mean i can't even imagine what he did to this dude he raped him you know multiple times in the morning before he even went to work yeah with objects and vegetables yeah and carrots cucumbers, cucumbers and, and stuff fucked up um he shoves needles under his fingernails god damn it Ugh. That right there, bro. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Everything Kept, he does is like the fucking the, height of pain. Yeah. Torture. yeah. Everything, yeah. There's nothing he did that <laughs> sounds in the least bit enjoyable or good. Um, he kept this guy drugged, and despite his pleas to stop, you know, being a sadist, he gets off on this stuff. That yeah. makes it worse. Eventually, Jerry dies, like you said, Chris, 28 fucking hours later, and Bob just takes the body down strings him up in this pulley system he's got in the basement all set up and ready to go takes a uh, big cooking pot puts it underneath him and slices his jugular vein and drains, drains the blood out man just like an animal pretty fucked up and it's, it's not fucking you know cunt sternum but it's kind of like fucking gene yeah you know very much so um yeah. I, I think gacy or not gacy uh Dahmer, had he the means to do that, would have done the same thing. I oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah uh, if he, he would have had this house, Dahmer would yeah. have been doing all this shit. I wouldn't shit. be surprised if, if he probably didn't at least drain one victim out in his bathtub or something, you know. Right. Well, Berdella did a couple of them in the bathroom, and then the rest of them were in the basement. So, right. um, And so, yeah, I mean, he's he cuts them, and then he chops them up. He puts the pieces in the trash bags. In the dog, well, he puts them in dog bag, dog food bags, and then in trash bags. Yeah, and just tosses it out. And just puts it out with the trash. I mean, fuck, who the hell would know? I mean, it's fucking garbage. All them bodies are in the landfills to this day. Yeah, Yeah. it is fucked up. Um, Now, his time as a cook, you know, would help him to be able to do that, to know how to cut meat and that sort of thing. And he was paranoid that the cops were going to catch him. Uh, after that first one and that he was going to go to prison. So that was his big fear Yeah, was that he would wind up getting busted. 
Um, he was able to answer questions, though, because, of course, the cops are going to talk to him. They knew he was the hanging out with The last person people seen him with and shit. Yeah, plus Jerry's dad knew, you know, about that relationship there. So, but he was a very good talker to deal with the cops, you know, and then he also, when he went down to the uh, police station, had a lawyer, so he's not dumb. Um, I see some resemblance to Dahmer when it comes dealing with cops or Chris. I'm thinking like Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys. I mean, every <laughs> time they get pulled over, <laughs> Ricky could fucking get him at anything. So. My name's Trevor Leahy. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that's funny when he gets pulled over and it's like, you got guns, weed, yeah, all sorts everything. of shit. And, and he comes up with some crazy and fucking Bubbles story. and Julians are telling him to talk to the cops. Yeah. It's like, wait, obviously yeah. he's got to be good. It's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the most fucked up things, Joey, I think about Bob Burdell is this fucking journal. I mean, you want to talk a little bit about the kind of stuff he's writing. And he had yeah. like his own like code. Right? Yeah, the code was crazy. Uh, I got a couple excerpts from his journal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just... Off the top, what it was is he was um, keeping track of every single element of what happened right, with his time. Abduction. He sat, and this is to me, this is one of the creepiest things. Right, and he he kept a lot of shorthand notes and stuff. Uh, a lot of things were, um, you know, to where he could read them quicker or whatever. Right. But one of the creepiest things that he did for me, it was kind of like when you heard David Parker Ray when the people would come to and be tied up. Yeah, and you would tell them what's going to happen. He fucking would write down everything that each one of them people said when they came to, right when they came the to. First thing he wrote down said. what they said. Oh, wow. So then he would go back through with these notes, you know, of, of what he did to these people, which is fucking horrible. Right. And then read it to the next victim. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah, and dude. Fucking, so they would know. You know, oh what's God. capable of. So anyway, uh, I did have a couple excerpts I was going to read. Um, yeah, go ahead, dude. Or I guess they're just like more notes about how he did it. But, uh, you know, he kept his unwilling male captives in his Kansas City home, bound, tied up. I mean, that's where they came to and found themselves. And Some of these guys, you know, probably partied with him. So maybe they had an idea where they were at. But if right. they didn't, we, like, you're we coming out of that shit. Yeah, and this like, home is disheveled as hell. Right and just gross. So I mean, that's that's one thing. Um, he, he would uh, he wrote down the continuous torture. He jot down the exact amounts of the injections he gave, what kind of injections he gave them, and the times he gave them. And, and he was trying to see how these what he called slaves responded, like Dahmer trying to create the zombies. To create the zombies. You know, yeah. he was trying to also create a slave. Right. Uh, he he also recorded the data. Um, on which man eventually died from the ordeal. So he's like every bit of tort or pain that or whatever he's doing to these people, he's monitoring how much it's going to take for them to finally cross over, you know, and die. Uh, see how much they can take, how much he can give them. Um, you know, and then something else he was talking about. Uh, there were notations on sexual positions and reactions how he would put them and sodomize them and how they would react to those right. uh, methods of punishing his, vi his victims, like injecting drain cleaner into the voice box or caulking the ears, right. you know, which were things that we read about. He did uh, details, of the physical conditions of the subject, whether they were awake, snoring or unresponsive yep. while he was doing that. So all that down and wow. a final notation for one victim. All it said 86. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, of course, the restaurant term for it's out. You're, you're done. done. Yeah. 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 That's Fuck. fucked up. <laughs> and he was a cook. That's right. <laughs> That's really fucked up. 
Now, after that first one, he cools off for about 10 months. Uh, April of 85, a former lodger of Bob's, 23-year-old Robert Sheldon, shows up on his doorstep. What a bad move. Yeah. He asked if he could stay with Bob again. Bob said he wasn't physically attracted to Robert, but after two days... You know, he's living with him. He's like, eh, it's starting to look Whatever, right. yeah. And he's wasted. Let's get him more wasted. That's right. <laughs> so he drugs him because this kid's passed out. This guy's passed out in the house. Not a good move. Uh, Sheldon is bound and tortured for days by this motherfucker. He's using piano wire to tie him up, and he would say that it had, uh, you know, nerve damage causing the hands and feet, which he liked because it would make escape that much more difficult. Right. And then, like you said, guys, uh, he injected the his, Robert Sheldon's eyes with drain cleaner to make him blind, which is fucking crazy. God damn it. When my contacts uh, get dry, I'm like, ah, uh, fuck. Yeah, could you imagine? This no. is so fucked, man. And then, as you said, Joey, he puts caulk in his ear so he's deaf, yeah. so that's fucked up. So he has no idea what's coming at him, you know. So talk about... I mean, it would be bad enough seeing shit going on, but when you but you're just laying there in total silence and you can't, you can't see, see or hear, and then all of a sudden things are happening to you. I mean, I've that's fucked up. Too, like I know he kept him drugged or whatever. I mean, I wonder if he dosed him with like hallucinogens though, while he did this. Oh shit my to god, because he was already about that shit before. Yeah. So. Right, Oof. he got busted selling LSD. Yeah, so he's like, I'm gonna make you deaf, blind, and you're gonna fucking feel trip. every bit of this. Yeah, I mean, it's so fucked up how he got off on this yeah um and he gave i saw soapy water enemas to clean out this dude's ass because all the blood i mean he's shoving cucumbers and carrots and i mean it's fucked up yeah after three days of this a fucking roofer shows up to do some work at the house getting some work done yeah bob forgot and he just fucking puts a bag over the dude's head thank god it puts him out of his fucking misery Um, No, too bad the roofer didn't fucking find him. Right? (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, I also read somewhere that it was a guy to do some work on a tree. So I'm not sure which is true. It could have been a roofer that was doing work because of it. I don't know. Right. But whatever. A worker shows up. Bob kills the kid because he's afraid that he's going to yell and make noise. I couldn't figure out why the roofer was in the house unless he was trying to get to the attic to look for a leak or something. That's what I was wondering, if that there was a leak on the roof, so he was patching it from the inside on the deck side and then going up to put shingles. I don't know. It's hard to say, but you know, like I said, I read two different things. Uh, One was a roofer, one was something to do with the tree. So maybe it was one and the same. Now, Chris, I cannot even imagine how awful this shit would be. The details are absolutely brutal. Um, I also read that he cut up the body just like he did with fucking Jerry Howell. We're talking chainsaws, fucking circular saws, chopping bodies up. I mean, what the fuck, dude? Uh, That's another way that, like, if Dahmer had had the house, I feel like he would have done some more shit like that, too, with... Right. With the saws because he's in his own house instead of an apartment. Right. Doesn't have to worry but, about noise so much. Yeah. Fucking. But that's just brutal. That's what you do all the time to get rid of the body and then throw it out in the fucking street again. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that was would, what he does. It was like the perfect fucking situation for him, man. Um, I just I just can't believe this shit. Um, now, the next victim he hires, a young man who had done some yard work 
uh, Mark Wallace. Now, we're not talking about the race car driver. <laughs> different Wallace. Um, he was in a shed on Bob's property taking cover from a thunderstorm. Bob invites him into the house. Now, this is fucked up. They get into a conversation about Mark having issues with depression, and somehow Berdella in convinces this fucking kid to let him inject him with a drug that's going to help him. And I'm thinking, First if you've all, had no. anything to do with this dude ever, and he did, yeah, why in the fuck would you let somebody inject you with some shit that you don't even really know what it is? Yeah, I wouldn't fucking do that. I mean, that's crazy, man. Unless maybe he was a junkie and he thought he was giving him some dope. I right. guess. I mean, because he hung out I with mean, nothing but junkies. If he so was a, I'm, which he probably was, I could totally see that. He's just telling him that it's fucking Yeah, because yeah. you see yeah, these this is good stuff, man. He was getting away with this for a few years, and nobody's paying attention to the fact that all these people that kind of have a fucking connection to him, at least some way or other, right. aren't coming back around. That's probably because ain't nobody fucking looking for them. Well, yeah. The yeah. same as Gacy's victims. Right. Or the Ridgeway right. or a lot yeah. of these guys, the Shawcross that kill prostitutes. Yeah. Same thing, except like, you know, these are guys, not women, yeah. right? Which, I mean, you know, Berdella also goes on later to kind of say that he was helping cleanse the world. Yeah. He goes on that trip, too. Yeah, it's fucked up. Now, he gives him Thorazine, which knocks him out for 30 minutes. He takes the guy upstairs, binds him to the bed with the piano wire like the other ones. And this is when he starts to introduce electricity to the fucking picture. Fun times. What the fuck, man? Alligator clips on his fucking nipples, testicles, high doses of electricity. This is some, like, Vietnam, like, Hanoi Hilton shit yeah. here. This is fucked. And still injecting the fucking goddamn yeah. drain cleaner and everything. Right. Fucking, just fucking it's every fucking amount crazy, of torture. Man. It is really crazy. Now, Joey, I mean, it seems like he's enjoying experimenting, and he's yeah. almost looking at it. Uh, I think it was the Dan Cummins podcast I listened to about it where... He's like almost talking about it like it's a, a scientific contribution. Right. Like Joseph Mengel is shit that he's doing this for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. yeah. To document what happens when you electrocute somebody's testicles with Right. I mean, seriously, fucked up to even think that he would be serious in that this is like a legitimate scientific experiment. And I mean you get one down, you get one death down, you get more. And I mean, all you're thinking about is like, okay, what can I do? You're fucked up. You're right. fucked up next time. What do I have the, uh, what do I have the means to use, you know, to get more fucking creative, build my own toy box, I guess. Uh, he had the fucking, it was a neon sign, like voltage generator or some shit. Yeah, some yeah. Kind of that's what he had in his house. Then, yeah. and that's Later, he, was, he does that with the transformer. Yeah. It's straight yeah. up like cannibal corpse and experiment right. and homicide. And yeah. man, I, I know they only show a hand, like, or I've only seen a handful of the pictures of the 400 he took or whatever, but there is one with dude yeah. in the middle of being electrocuted. Yes. Like, it's pretty fucked up. That's fucking a fucking eight up picture. Yeah, yeah, that'll give you fucking nightmares. The same shit like seeing them tied up with the piano wire. Yeah, like. it's awful, man. He claims, Berdella claims he only tortured Mark Wallace for a day, which is bad enough, and that he died after he began to inject his muscles of his back with different drugs. Um, he's claiming it was a combination of the drugs, the gag, and a lack of oxygen. 
I think the police uh, investigation would show was choked on his own vomit. And there's right? just pictures with needles stuck in all these motherfuckers. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's really in bad. In different parts of their fucking bodies yeah. and shit. It's yeah. really bad. Now, Berdella begins to step it up even more. As if this wasn't bad enough, James Ferris was his next victim. He drugs him with ground-up tranquilizers. I think he fed it to him in, like, chili or something. Uh, Berdella begins this horrific 27 hours of torture. This motherfucker's got a 7,700-volt fucking uh, generator in his fucking... A transformer in his fucking house. He's got this hooked up to two fucking spatulas. And, I mean, I did... I Googled it because I was curious. A car battery is 13 volts. Right. The electric chair was 2,000. Okay, now it's the amps that kill you, not the volts. Right, right. But yeah, still, yeah. for fuck's sake, yeah. this yeah, is like almost four times more than being shocked in an electric chair. This motherfucker is doing this shit to their eyes, their fucking testicles, all sorts of other parts. Of, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, this is like literally like shit you would see like in Saw or some stuff like that, Chris. I mean, I, I don't even know. I what seventy seven hundred volts is going to be on your fucking nutsack? Dude. I couldn't, dude. That's bad enough. Could you imagine on your fucking eyes? eyes? Oh my god! Like what the fuck, dude? It's just gonna like. I feel like they feel like they just them, melt, dude. Yeah, yeah or like pop, pop wow. them. And that's why I've never seen like the full transcripts of his uh, journals or whatever. I don't know if they're available. I've never. Found I don't know. Either. He had seven hundred pages of fucking confession. Right. I would love to fucking see but that. I know, like you know? his his. His journals, you could have found out step by step every single thing that happened to these people. Yeah, which would just be like that. way yeah. crazier than even what we're talking about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it is fucking crazy. Uh, while this is all going on, as if this wasn't bad enough, he's raping him repeatedly. The guy is obviously delirious with pain. And then, as you said, Joey, this is the one where he notes eighty sixth, which yeah. is that restaurant term. That he would have known as being a cook. So um, it was after that that he really needed to not, wanted to prolong the experience. So he's got these guys Show living for a day or two. Fucking long. But he wants to be able to prolong it because he's looking for a sex slave. And again, we keep talking about the similarities between him and Dahmer. But this for sure with the sex slave, uh, Dahmer all the way. Now, a drug addict, uh, Todd Stoops, who Berdella did know, he ran, runs into him in the park. Uh, he lured the man to his house and drugged him. Um, this dude entered two weeks, two fucking weeks of this shit. Uh, same type of stuff. But Joey, he takes this to a whole different level with this dude. To me, Todd Stoops was the worst. Yeah. He got the worst. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the fist. He totally had the fist. I mean, he gets like the fist forearm. in the ass all the yeah. way up to his elbow. He, yeah, he ruptured his, his anal, anal cavity. Yeah, and uh, he got sick. And yeah, and during his um, during his uh, confession, like he just he referred to it as the fist fuck. Yeah, yeah. he like he literally said that. Like what? The I know fuck? it's really fucked up how cavalier he is about this shit. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up. I mean, Joey, this is like shit from nightmares, you know. Yeah. Uh, he would later say they became something other than people to me. Right. So definitely dehumanizing him. 
percent. Oh, um, and just so they fucked were, up how somebody could do this. They were just objects or toys to him. Yeah. Now, spring of 87, Berdella met a 20-year-old man, Larry Wayne Pearson, and got him to come to the house after being intoxicated. He's drugged. Um, usual stuff, rape, torture. This is the marathon. Six fucking weeks, this motherfucker. Yeah. Broke damn the it, bones dude. in his hands to incapacitate him so he wouldn't be able to untie his knots, which is fucking smart but smart, sick but, as fuck. Yeah, I was just going to say smart, Awful. but The fuck. pictures I am looking at the wrist, dude, that shit fucks me up because I'm like, oh, my I God. know. It's so fucking horrible with, like, steel rods yeah. and he's breaking his bones. Uh, after six weeks of this fucking shit, Pearson bites Berdella's fucking dick, which held fucking, yeah, dude, that's <laughs> fucking awesome that yeah. he did something. But then he gets knocked in the head with a fucking tree limb. I don't even know where the tree limb came into this. Dude, unless it probably came growing from... through the fucking roof. Maybe that's, Maybe that's the, why the, the roofer was, was there. there. <laughs> yeah. It's from like the 20th century or fucking from the 15th century like or something. Game of Thrones shit. Yeah, it's yeah. just like one of those things he sells at the bazaar. This came from fucking Cleopatra. That's possible, right? yeah. yeah. yeah like, like petrified forest right, exactly. or something. Who knows? <laughs> So fucking crazy, uh, but at least this fucking guy's out of his misery. But Bob had to go to the fucking hospital, Joe. He's got a <laughs> dick is all fucked up. He gets stitches. They want to keep him overnight. He's like, no. He's like, no, I got stuff to do with my dog. I got to have somebody watch the dog. So they let him leave. I mean, he's just telling him, oh, yeah, I was having some good sex with somebody. And yeah. it got weird and I got bit. Right. Well, the doctor is also saying that... I. I I think it was on one of the things we were just watching. There was that doctor saying something got sewed on. He probably didn't have any feeling in there either after that, like the same feeling. So that probably fucked him up pretty bad, too. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, but then, you know, he's in the hospital for three days after they get him stitched up. He's got a catheter and everything. And then fucking Pearson's body's rotting in the fucking house. Right. <laughs> So he's all jacked up from getting his fucking cock bit, and he's got a catheter, and he's got to deal with this body. Still gets it dismembered, disposed of in the trash bags, but this one he puts the head in the freezer and then eventually buries it in the backyard. Why do you guys think he did that with that one? I don't know. Because I wonder if he was special to him or something. It was a trophy know. because that's the mouth that bit my cock. Uh, maybe I don't know. That's that's very possible. I mean, he also kept him for a fucking shitload long time too. Yeah, yeah. Now the final victim, 1988, 22 uh, year old prostitute Christopher Bryson, again drugged and tortured like the others. Um, Berdella told him the only thing you need to think about is me, you, and this house. So very, very David Parker Ray shit going Definitely. on here, Chris ammonia in his eyes but the way he's fucking with him chris and telling him this stuff is very toy box killer shit going down yeah like we talked about before with the fucking tape in there and toying with him and with david parker ray i mean yeah and then telling him what's gonna happen and this is right. your home now basically right this you're not going anywhere home. right that's pretty fucking yeah you're never gonna I leave mean, he's got fucking He's got pictures and he's got documentation. He's like, you see this dude? I'm right. fucking frying his nutsack with some electricity. I right. can do that to I you. Do. I can do this to you. You know, right. holy shit. Like yeah, the I mean, that makes it real when you see it like yeah. that. And these are pictures you know he took. Right. Because they're Polaroids like that and shit. So, 
Yeah, I mean, this is just crazy how similar he is to a lot of these other killers we're talking about. Now, Bryson is able to escape. This is an amazing one. He gets these matches because Burdella starts to ease up on him. Yeah, he gives him some cigarettes. He He fucking remote to the TV. He tied his hands in front of him, which he didn't do with other people. Right. Gave him the remote between his knees, like you said, so he could use that. And gave him the matches. Right. And cigarettes. He's smart. So he burns the bindings. And obviously not using piano wire for it either. Well, no. And he said that he had had a, he was using a different kind of binding. At that time. Oh, okay. And that Bryson said he was able to get the, the one hand loose. He knew that he was going to be able to get that one loose, so he waited. He got that one loose and then was able to grab the matches where he wow. burned through the others. Uh, the whole time. And he didn't really know. So this guy, as he's there, he's trying to – his eyes are fucked up and everything else. He's trying to gauge – when uh, Burdell is home and when he's not, because he's coming and going, right, but right. it's hard for him to tell when he is. So he said with the TV, once he gave him the remote, he, he turned turn that the down, down so he could fucking hear him finally uh, leave. He wasn't exactly 100% sure he was out, but he was pretty sure. Wow. But at the same time, while you're doing this, man, you got to be so fucking scared. I, I was wondering... Unless he had the room locked from the outside, which maybe he did. I didn't say anything about that. Right. Why you wouldn't fucking just leave out the house. Right. You jump out the second But he might not have known if he was downstairs. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Either A, he couldn't get out, or he B, just he wanted was to so scared Get that the guy. fuck out of yeah. there. And I mean, fuck, his, his, he's already fucked up. His wrists are fucking fucked yeah. up, too, and everything else. So you're not going to be able to fight off this guy very easily. Right. Um, I can't remember if it was him or, or, which, or which person it was. But, like, the the cops were saying from the fucking first Polaroid that fucking he took to the last one they got. Oh, how the much guy, weight he lost? They couldn't even tell if it was yeah. him or not. How I, was that dude sick, that six-week dude for I think six that might have been yeah. the six-weeks one. Okay, yeah. The one that's head was in the yard. Fucking crazy. They couldn't even tell the, the, the yeah, same guy. Yeah, he lost so much weight because he wasn't eating. Right. And it's fucked up. So Bryson escapes. He jumps out of a second-story fucking window down to the front yard, breaks a bone in his foot, but he's got a dog collar and nothing else on. He finds a meter reader. I think it was a parking meter reader uh, because I wasn't sure if it meant the electrical meter or the parking. I heard uh, parking in one thing I listened to. Um, anyway. I uh, saw something else that said he went to the neighbor's house. And knocked on the door. didn't let answer. him in. Oh. Yeah, but they could. called the cops for him. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't let him in. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you wouldn't know what the hell's going on. And, you know? and fuck, I mean, you know, like Dahmer again. Right. Fucking a victim escapes. Yep. Shackled up. Fucking that's right. beat. Talks his way out of it. And that's man. how fucking, you know. Yeah. So Bryson tells the cops about the torture he's gone through. Um, obviously, his eyes are all fucked up. You can see that. Um, they decide to keep an eye on the house until they can get a warrant. He tells the cops about every detail. Um, They're easily able to get the warrant. Um, And they find all sorts of stuff in that house, man. They got the transformer with all the wires, the syringes with all these different drugs, pubic hairs on the fucking chainsaw chainsaw, and the fucking skill saw. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blood everywhere, pieces of meat. I mean, it's fucking gross. Um, they take all this stuff in as evidence, but this place is nasty. I mean, it's like you guys said, it stinks. He's got dirty dishes, dog shit, 
food all over the place, piles of all his hoarder stuff. I mean, this is just a horror show. And as my day job, you know, I don't do this anymore, but I used to inspect houses before they tore them down. And I've been in these motherfuckers like this. And it's nasty, I, minus the, the human, the human blood fucking and body meat and, and shit, but viscera and nasty, shit. dirty, dog shit, piss all over the place. It's gross. I, I could feel their pain of having to go through this. The whole fact that he was doing what he was doing to people makes it that much worse. Now, they get um, on the second floor in a closet, and this is where they find a skull uh, that he kept. So one of the bodies, he kept the skull. He pulled the teeth out. He put the large teeth in one envelope, the small teeth in a different one. So they find this in this fucking closet. So then they decide to dig up the backyard, and they're fearing they got a fucking Gacy here on their right, hands. a whole fucking graveyard Yeah, there. of all these fucking kids. So they dig it up, and they find a fucking decomposed head. So now they got him for murder. They know they got him now. Um, and they found a lot of books, of course, on the occult. Remember, guys, this is the satanic panic. Satanic panic. Uh, so this would have been prime time for that, especially yeah. in the Bible and they belt. They accused him a lot of Missouri. it. Yeah, they accused him a lot of it too. And they, right. found, they found like a satanist cloak and some other shit. Yeah, and, and there was an album on his turntable called Satan's Black yep. Mass, so that didn't help. No, and, and I wondered. A, you know, some of the stuff, obviously, the dude's into the occult. So it's like, how much shit are they finding that's part of, you know, his interests or right. that really they're just connecting to it because of, like he said, satanic pain especially. But at the same time, if you're that fucked up and you are fucking progressing your, your sadism and being just more and more evil, aren't you going to want to be... More you know, evil one with that evil shit, and you know, well, sure, kind of like Gate or Dahmer was, you know, like yeah, build an altar and fucking. <laughs> it's not those people. Neither one, Berdella nor Dahmer. If I was just talking about them, I'd be like, oh yeah, they were Satanists, right? But at the same time, I think they probably had a little bit of infatuation with that while probably. they were killing for a while, probably, probably as did like you know, uh, uh, Berkowitz and yeah, it's kind of trendy too at the right. time. You know, it was like yeah. kind of cooler, you know, to say that. Um, but you know, what's fucked up is, you know, you heard, you've heard before, you know, these people, they talk about these child sex rings, yeah. the satanic sex rings and all this sort of stuff. And so he got kind of lumped in with that, but it don't know if there was really anything to it. Right now, Joey, I mean, imagining all this horror, sh horror show stuff, we're talking about 357 pictures of it, the journals, I mean, this has just got to be like every motherfucker has got to be going to counseling after walking through this dude's fucking house and seeing all this shit, right? right. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of shit. Uh, most of them people never saw anything like that before. Um, I mean, fuck, it's crazy. It, yeah, I mean, Kansas City's a big, you know, big city, but yeah. this is like, you know, stepping up to the big leagues right. with the crazy shit they were seeing, you know. And I mean, back then, I mean, it took something like going to a Gacy house and having to excavate 29 bodies out of a fucking yard. Right. For, you know, like, holy shit, because this shit right here is as nuts as a guy. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine just being one of these officers that goes into these Dahmer's house or, you yeah, know, because you're not Ray thinking it's going to be that. That's for sure. Well, remember David Parker Ray, the lead. FBI investigator killed herself right. over it. After she was all that, yeah, out. I do remember you know, that. I mean, that fucks with them. Yep. Now, Chris, um, 
What do they wind up charging Berdella with? And doesn't he do some sort of plea bargain? If I remember the original charge was like one count of fucking the right. first degree murder or whatever. And then they were starting to add all these other charges and he didn't want to fucking right. get the death penalty because life in prison is good for him. Yeah. He might as well live. Everybody else he fucked with died. But right. So yeah, he ended up getting uh, convicted of two uh, charges of first degree and four charges of second degree. Right. And getting life in prison out of it after doing all this fucking bargaining. Right. And no parole. No parole. But no. at least he wasn't getting the death penalty in his eyes, right? Right. Um, 700 page confession. I can't even imagine the detail. And this I is where couldn't. he deciphered the journal, yeah. gave him the code, fully confessed to everything. No complete bodies were ever found, only the parts that we mentioned. Um, he's convicted in 1988 and sent to prison at the Missouri State Penitentiary, Penitentiary in uh, Jefferson City. And at first, like you said, Chris, two life sentences, and then they added four more, no chance for parole. So Now, we've referenced that interview he did. Uh, you can watch that on YouTube, and like many of the others, uh, that we've talked about before, you know, he's very casual about it, kind of like a yeah, matter of fact. Um, the local Kansas City radio stations were doing parody songs. I did not have time to look those up. That would have been funny <laughs> right, to check that yeah. out. And having contests of people wearing dog collars and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, which I mean, I know it's it's not funny, but, you know, it is at it the is. same time. It's dark humor. Yeah. Um, Berdella was pissed off, which cracks me up how pompous he is. And he talks about it on that interview. Um, he hated the Kansas City Butcher name, that's for sure. He felt he was a good citizen that made some bad choices. That's what yeah. he said, yeah. That's that, fucked up, that's, man. That's, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, that's putting it super fucking mild, bro. <laughs> um, he blamed the police, though. This cracked me up for not catching for not, him yeah, for sooner. For not catching him sooner. They like, didn't do dude, their job, you know? If like, they had really? fucking just caught me, none of that other shit would have fucking happened. Not my fault. Right. It's not his fault. Check He's a good citizen. Check my garbage bags next time. <laughs> Berdella would also say the media dehumanized him just like he did his victims. No. So they were just... Is bad. No, they didn't. Yeah, dude. I don't think they were injecting fucking Clorox into somebody's larynx to yeah, fucking mute sawing his fucking taint. Yeah, yeah. not fucking I mean, about just it. Fucked up, man. Um, he filed several lawsuits from prison, which cracks me up too. But he does set up a fifty thousand dollar trust fund for the victims' families. Yeah, which is kind of fucked up. I mean, you don't expect a guy like this to do that, but the victims' families are like, like, "Dude, really? Seriously, fifty thousand dollars for what you did? Like, fuck you." It's weird because it's like, on one hand, I never heard nobody else trying that, and it's like, it seems like about as good move of faith as you can to try to, you know, at least give some kind of of positivity back in the situation. Right. But at the same time, is it also a way just for him to fucking keep weaseling his way and fucking fucking with these people? That, that and I think also of look what a nice guy I am. You know, right. I've compensated them yeah, for their grief, you know. When they go to sentencing or whatever, yeah. they'll No, tell I don't them. fucking think so, man. No, you, yeah, you're fucked, dude. Yeah. I mean, really, really fucked up. He also has bitches about the guards. They're not giving him his heart medication. Uh, in 92, he's taken to the hospital there in Columbia, Missouri, uh, which I thought was funny because we played that Baxter Stockman oh, track yeah, yeah. and they're from Columbia. Yeah. I did not plan on that. 
um, where he's pronounced dead at 43 years old. From so he fucking heart attack. Four years older than the I old man, but say. still young. You but know, at the 43. same time, how fucked up is that? He was already complaining, they're not they're giving not, me my right, heart meds. Right. And then he ends up dying from heart complications. Right. Like, right. Man. It's it seems, interesting. It maybe seems kind of like there's a lawsuit the, there. Maybe the judges know. or the guards are like, fuck you. Yeah. You Die, care. bitch. You yeah, know? nobody cares. Now, the judge, I thought this was funny that... Uh, presided over the trial <laughs> said it yeah. couldn't happen to a nicer guy couldn't happen to a nicer guy that's pretty yeah. funny yeah yeah so that's good stuff uh i did find this story very fascinating as disgusting as he is yeah. and horrible as he is it's just fascinating to to hear somebody doing some of this shit and what amazes me guys i mean we've talked about these serial killers being influenced by others but this guy is like a conglomeration of like six or seven, yeah. all in one fucked up person, man. Wow. I mean, Gacy, super Dahmer, David Parker Ray, Heidnick, Dean Coral, which we're going to get to here in a minute. There are some really weird similarities to a lot of these. Um, now, another thing, I added this here. I did hear on the interview he did from prison to where the locals in Kansas City had wondered if any of the meat from his victims ended up in a potluck uh, crock pot he used uh, to the provide fucking, at the, yeah, at the, the store because he says that the other vendors did a potluck every weekend to avoid having to eat the food there. Huh. So he did that, and he said in the interview, he says, you know, you can ask anybody. It tasted good and stuff like that. And it's like... They're not saying it didn't taste good, dude. They're just questioning, like, where they're fucking Where's the human. meat from? Yeah, because, right. hello, you're butchering fucking people in your basement. I mean, it's a legit yeah. fucking concern of somebody who knows what you've been up to. Hey, is this dude fucked up enough to have done that? I don't know. I mean, it definitely makes you wonder. I wouldn't put it past him. And I also heard on the Time Suck podcast uh, from Dan Cummins that Berdella had one of his rape victims from earlier recruiting others, which is the Dean Coral reference uh, I made. That's true. That's Dean Coral. That is straight up Dean Coral, where he's getting those fucking kids to help him lure the others to the house. I mean, this guy is just crazy with all the different influences, and Dean Coral would have been long before, so he would have definitely... I mean, we know Gacy... Got his idea for the rope trick from Coral. From Coral, yeah. So I mean, it's very, you know, very, very possible that this guy also influenced by Dean Coral. Very, very crazy story. It just amazes me that more people don't know about this dude. What do you think, Joey, about the human meat at the bazaar? Do you think he would have done something like that? Um, I don't. I don't really think he did that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have done that. I don't think he did it, and my reasoning behind that is because he documented all that shit in his journals about what he did. And yeah, I think if he was cooking the point. meat and doing he that, he would have put that in how he wrote was, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, how he was he probably would have fucking, he would have wrote recipes, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And so I don't think he really did that, but and also too, when I think about it, you know, he was trying to get rid of the evidence smartly in bags out in his trash and quickly. Yeah. Would he have kept some of it back for this? I mean, he kept it's like a stretch. He it's a stretch. But that was, like, different situations. And he also, I mean, the one buried right away. Right. So it's not like he was that 
into keeping as much of them as like Dahmer, who had like fucking tons of shit, you know, right? Pieces of each one. He, I think he didn't want. Would have got rid of much. it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the rape victims helping him? Did you, you hear anything about that? I was trying to find it some more about that, um, but I didn't really see too much. Now, if if I was going to guesstimate on kind of how this situation works out, because I can see I can see that probably did kind of happen in some way. Or well, form. one of them confessed right. that he helped them. And my idea is that a lot of these motherfuckers are drug addicts, and it's right. like, hey, I can get you some dope if you can help me. Sure, get somebody. Got any so, young friends you want right. to send over here? Yep. You know. But remember, Dean Coral was giving him what two, three hundred bucks a person. Yes. Yeah. So this kid's doing this for money, basically. It's fucked up. I mean, uh, what's and his Coral name? kill what thirty or thirty one or something crazy like that. Didn't so. uh, picked into the same shit. Like he had people that would bring people oh, yeah. to his house to for the him. Fucking, yeah, yeah, to the fucking bar or whatever. Yeah, very fucked up, uh, guys. Anything you want to add to this crazy ass fucking story of the Kansas City butcher? No, I don't think so. For me, I'm gonna add something. Yeah. Uh, and. It, it just kind of goes with some of what we talk about with the murderability and stuff with the oh, conversation. Yeah, what, yeah. So when Berdella died, or not when he died, but whenever he was convicted and, you know, everything was done with the with the legal process or whatever, uh, a millionaire named Del Dunmire bought um, almost oh, yeah. every bit of his possessions along with the house and everything else. And later on, so this dude's kind of a, he was eccentric too, had a shitload of money, whatever. Okay. Was he from Kansas City? I think he was local to there. I think you're right. And yeah. he ended up, so the house ended up getting raised at some point. But right. every bit of that evidence and everything else, he had it. So yeah, somehow he ended up with he it. He ended up with all of it. The like, And we saw, you know, a site and they were talking, and we saw a local newscast and they were talking about all of a sudden, all these fucking pieces of evidence were on sale now online. Like in the evidence because, bags and everything. Right. Oh my so, God. So you could, and they showed like the Polaroid with two fucking unnamed victim pictures. You oh, could have got that for 3500 bucks. Yeah, they had. And they uh, had the saws. Yeah, they had the oh saws. They had uh, meat the cleaver. Syringes, the meat syringes, cleaver. like with evidence bags, like tagged evidence yeah, bags. Yeah, it was too. fucking crazy. So it's like this wow. dude, Dunmire, ended up with fucking all his shit. Somehow it all got leaked out because he just made a fucking shitload more money. Wow. I did see the house got torn down yeah, and then yeah. the, neighbors the neighbors bought the property, the property, which is smart, and they know, split it. Yeah, I don't know if they fucking paid for it or if the Dillmeyer just like, hey, yeah. tore the house down. No, I think he sold them the did, plot and then they bought it and, and went in it. half. And I know they split it, yeah. Which is good because then you know they wouldn't have to worry about the a museum to this fucking sick bastard. Right. The, the, the Polaroid camera is one of the... the Highest price things we saw. Yeah, they also had the drain cover from the basement, from the basement. where you dumped the blood. Oh, so that was like twenty five hundred. Wow. And this is back then, so those yeah. you know either sold or probably worth more now. Wow. But one of the and another, me and Chris were having a conversation about this. Bryson, the the last victim, his shirt his that he shirt wore there that he wore was one of the things with the evidence. Bag oh my that god! That they were selling. And that was like three grand for that. Yeah, Jesus! If, if I was Bryson, I'd be like, "That's, that's my what fucking saying. shirt." It's like, hold on, wait a fucking minute. That's my property. That's fucked up. Yeah. Wow, and, I did not hear about. But yeah, the they went through this whole stuff. thing about you know oh, it, it was wow. the murderabilia thing, and, and Chris went to the site that it showed because it had all kinds of fucking dude. There's all kinds of shit on there, man. Oh, wow. But these people from you know that community. And they're like the victims' families or whatnot. And they're like, "Yo, what the fuck is this?" Yeah, You're that's just fucked up. This Send shit? me that link, dude. When you think about yeah, it, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, definitely a crazy story. Now, my research for this one was done a couple documentaries on Birdella. Yeah, I did that. The Dan Cummins Time Suck uh, podcast was very good. Um, that was the first time I personally had ever really heard of him. Um, there are other podcasts out there. I did not listen to any of the others. Uh, that book you let me borrow, Joey, was very good. Robert Burdell of the True Story of the Kansas City Butcher by Jack Rosewood. Uh, it's a short book, but it does a good job of kind of capturing and, some of the and details. There's just not really a lot written on it. No, him. there really isn't. Um, there's not that much stuff on him. I mean, it's kind of amazing. As, as fucked up as this one is, it just didn't seem to get that big attention that some of the other big names have gotten. We've seen that before. Um, next time, guys, we're going to be featuring a guy that we talked about in our Spree Killer episode. Yep. Um, Charles Starkweather. I'm, this is definitely going to be a good one. Good story there. Went on a killing spree with his girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, from 1957 to 1958 in Nebraska and Wyoming. Killed 11 people on a fucking so basically rampage. Basically, they killed Wyoming and Nebraska, right? 11 people? Yeah. <laughs> the the true, true story of the natural born <laughs> And we also, when we talked to Dr. Catherine Ramsland, she had that mention about uh, her ties with uh, <clears throat> the family of one of the victims. So we'll probably play that clip on the show as nice. well. So, well, I hear that familiar tune. Yeah. Guys, it's got to be CK, that 920 out of Danbury. So, Joey, oh, what the fuck we got to do, Let's man? Let's get our fucking metal on. Known the world over as the master of metal, the crusher of posers, and murder metal mayhem's knower of all things metal, hailing from Wild Man Street in Danbury, Connecticut, standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness, weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization, the one, the only, toughest bastard on the planet, Chris... CK Comics! What's up, CK? What's up? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude, what's going on? Got Joey here, of course, Hell and yeah. Chris, and me, and CK now is on board, so we're all the gang is all together. Gang, gang. And we got a good one tonight. Been talking some Kansas City Butcher, Chris, some gruesome stuff, man. Yeah, Holy shit. Garbage bags of bodies. Yeah, pretty gruesome stuff. And so now we got CK on getting into some metal. Hell and yeah. And you I got, got a really good one tonight, dude. I got. I gotta tell you before I start. I have my Myrtle Metal Mayhem shirt that Steph sent me. Oh um, hell yeah! Um, Laura will take some pictures in a little while, and I'll send that to you. Fucking so, right, uh, dude. That'd be so great. You can post them. But that'd um, be great. Tonight we're gonna be talking about. It's good. Actually, it's gonna be a onslaught night tonight. It is. Much. It is. Um, and, and they're a band that started like in the early '80s. One of the few British thrash bands, believe it or not, because we talk about thrash so much, and thrash pretty much originated from the new wave of British heavy metal, and that's where America got their influence. But you really don't, you, there really was not a big thrash scene in, in Britain for some reason. I mean, you had a couple of bands, you had like Sabbath, Eccentrics, 
an acid rain and onslaught, which to me is is like the the, the best out of all of them and one of the one of the best thrash bands. Period. Um, but you really didn't have a scene at at that at that time when when thrash started for some reason. What the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah, Nige. I don't know. <laughs> Nige talked about when we did the interview about Motorhead being a big influence. Yeah, they, they would have been it more was, of a speed metal, more of a speed than thrash, you know. And it, well, it's actually more of a, more of a punk influence in the beginning to them than um, than metal because their biggest influences were at the time, like you said, Motorhead was one, but it was Discharge. Yeah, and 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 and, and the Exploited, which right. were you know pretty much punk slash hardcore bands in in Britain. And definitely their first album, Power From Hell, showed more of that influence and probably thrash. Um, I got into these guys because back back then, yeah, I think it was either Metal Forces or Art Shock magazine. I used to get I used to get both those magazines. I used to do my homework and oh hell yeah, you know before I would go out and buy buy an album because you didn't have that much money, so you have to do your homework by reading magazines. Um, you know, do my homework, and and I saw Onslaught and read about him. And I remember going to the mecca of all record record um stores in our area, Phoenix Records. Oh hell yeah! And um, at that time, the second album came out, which was um um the Force. I went up, I got the Force, and I got you know Power from Hell album at the same time. And I actually put on the the, sec, the second album, the Force first. And once I heard um, "Let There Be Death," I, I was I was done. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, you know the fir- the first album, like I said, was more of a more of a punk, um, discharge exploited influence with a with a different lead singer. Um, the second album, they recruited Cy Keeler, and at that time, um, just just to let you know, we're not going to get into the, all the members, but. Pretty much the member, the members you need to know about. Nige is the only founding member that's still left. Um, Cy Killer was was with them up until last year, until he until he left. I love his voice, man. Cy Killer's fucking killer, man. Yeah, he's he's got a great voice, and you know they had a lot of success with um, the second album. Um, and they were signed after that album to London Records, which is a, a major, la- which was a major label at that time. I believe it was part of the Universal umbrella of, of labels. And they actually recorded a demo. And from what I heard, when they sent it to London Records, they weren't happy with size vocals. Um, and they re- actually recruited Steve Grimmett, the former. Um, singer from from Grim Reaper, and um, recorded the album. And and you know a lot of people, a lot of people were were on the fence on that album. Um, I I loved it. I thought it was a great album. And I'll and I'll say it again when I did it as my lost classic that if Metallica came out with an album after Master of Puppets, that would have been the the album that they came out with. Yeah, but um, I wasn't as big a fan of it as you were. I did listen to the first two or three songs. Musically, I dig it. 
I'm not opposed to Steve Grimmett's vocals. I just didn't like the way it matched with the uh, music of Onslaught. So I wasn't a huge fan. I do know that one is not available streaming other than going on YouTube to get it. No, so I don't is, know what the weird. deal is. If the band doesn't like it or if it's a like a label thing, like it was on a label that doesn't allow the digital. I'm not well, sure. Well, I know I know it's it was re-released on Iron Dissidents, which re- released pretty much the whole catalog up to the last two albums and everything else is available so i i don't know why that one isn't available um, yeah i would, it would have been cool if nike said something about it but i was gonna ask him but i didn't know if he didn't like it or something so i kind of stayed away yeah, from it in the interview because it might have been touchy with <laughs> i know so i wasn't sure of course nige is totally cool and i could ask him that now but going yeah, into that yeah. interview, I was like, I'm going to stay away sure. from it. Yeah. But um, that album actually charted on 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 the charts for um England and did pretty good. Um, but um, shortly after they um, Steve Grimmett left um for for reasons unknown. I don't know why. Um, and I I know that London Records dropped them and they were offered a contract with Roadrunner but from what I understand Nige did not want to go back to a to an independent label he was looking for um, a major label and, and eventually they, they broke up like in in 1991 and that was pretty much it until um, they reformed in two in 2005 and they reformed with original drummer Steve Grice and original vocalist Cy Keeler and came out with an awesome, awesome, awesome album, Killing Peace. Yeah. And and it's kind of like, you know, the time off, they came back and they were just stronger than ever. Um, kind of like when, when Death Angel um, went high, well, broke up and came back like a couple years later with, with their comeback album and it was just killer. Right. Um but um you know they came back in 2005 quickly followed that up with um with the next album which was Killing Peace in 2007 again you know an, another another great album and 2011 Sounds of Sil- uh, Violence that one's killer dude and, you know and I've been and, jamming that lately and to me they they've just gotten stronger and yeah. and they're probably one of the premier thrash bands at this time. And, you know, not to rest on the laurels, but, you know, they put out, the, in my opinion, the last two albums, which are the best, Six, and, of course, this year's Generation Antichrist. Oh. Um, yeah, both of those are amazing. Six are is great, killer. and Generation Antichrist is... Uh, there's not one bad song on either no. of those two, man. It's uh, fucking and, ridiculous. And, and, and unfortunately, Psych Healer left... Um, you know, disillusion with with the music business, and yeah. from what I understand, he's going a different direction as far as yeah. I think he thing. got a different job, and it just wasn't yeah. working. And I know Nige says in the interview about him was, not wanting to tour, and it was amicable. Totally, was no no hard feelings. Not at all, no. But um, you know, the new vocalist was it Dave Garnett? Yeah, Garnett. Yeah, Garnett. I'm sorry, Garnett. You know. He's his vocals are pretty close to what size are. I agree. So, 
So it's not, you know, anything that they're, that they're taking a, a step down as far as vocals. It's, no. it's he's just as good. No. And this new album is just killer. It, it's yeah, the production you know, is strong. The songwriting, everything is top shelf. It's really, really good. Definitely one of the best thrash metal albums of the modern age. I would definitely say. Yeah, and probably it's definitely up for album of the year in my opinion. Oh, for, I for don't think year. there's any question in my book either. I love um, the album; it's great. You know, and and it's too bad they 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 can't really tour to support it right now. But you know, yeah, nobody, nobody really can. Right. But um, you know, they're they're definitely, you know, there there's still not that many thrash bands out of Britain, and and they just have the the flag raised. Yeah. As far as as far as coming out of Britain and thrash metal, and um, you know, definitely check them out. Like you said, all their stuff is available for streaming on 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 the major platforms, except for for some reason, in search of sanity. On, uh, you know, and as far as I know, the re-releases of the CDs are available in physical form. Uh, pretty much. All, I believe all all the early ones are available, and obviously, you know, the newer ones are are, are still available. Right. Um, because now they're signed with AFM Records, which is a an independent label, but they're but they're a, a big label, big and independent label out of Germany. So right. You know. Right. They're they're definitely promoting. Yeah, the, go to check them out online. Powerfromhell.com. Um, good stuff. We've got a clip, CK. It's about ten minutes long. Um, uh, that uh, from the interview that I did with Nige uh, Rocket from Onslaught, uh, and he answers some of these questions, talks about the new album, and some of that. So uh, we'll play that for the listeners now, and uh, we come out of that, we'll go into your lost classic. All right. Sounds good. This is Pete Altieri, and I have the privilege of doing this interview with Nige Rocket, guitarist, founding member, and riff master of Onslaught, the thrash metal gods from the UK. So awesome for you to take the time out of this pandemic to speak with me here at Murder Metal Mayhem. So how's it going, Nige? Yeah, I'm not, not too bad for you. And yourself? I'm doing pretty good. A beautiful day here. I'm in the Midwest uh, here in the USA. What's the weather like where you are? Um, unfortunately, today has been uh, raining all day. <laughs> Typically, Aww. English weather. I was just gonna say that's that's too stereotypical. You're not you're not drinking tea or anything, are you? No, 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 no. I drink it beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm really uh, been excited to do this. Uh, your album dropped on August seventh. It's the seventh album. It's called Generation Antichrist. It is absolutely brutal from start to finish. There's not a weak moment on there. What was it like uh, recording that album at uh, Grindstone Studios? Um, we actually only recorded the drums at Grindstone, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We recorded um, pretty much um, all over the place, really. Um, this um, Scott at Grindstone is kind of James's go-to um go-to recordist if if you want a better description um he likes working with scott there okay um so uh yeah we did the drums there um the amazing job that scott does all the time um i recorded the, the guitars in in bristol with, with my go-to guy um and the vocals were done in just outside of london with um producer p hinton who'd done the first two saxon albums actually right um which was very cool and yeah. um 
it come out amazing because um, I asked Pete to come and join us on on these recordings because of um, obviously the situation with Dave coming in the band at very short notice. Um, right. And he was kind of, as you can imagine, um, he was extremely nervous about the, the whole thing, having only three weeks to just kind of learn the songs. And um, so I got Pete, and Pete's uh, obviously he's, he's very seasoned professional, you know. Um, and as I said, he'd done the first two um, Saxon albums. And he, he's got a great track record, and he, he's such a, a down-to-earth, um, calming influence is, is the, the thing that we needed, you know. Um, and within, within a few hours, him, him and Dave were just um, nailing it. Um, it was brilliant. Um, he, he got Dave really relaxed and really focused, and, and it was plain sailing, really. That's great. It does sound really good. It's very, very well put together. It sounds fantastic. Thank you. I'm sure it was sad to see Cy Keeler leave the band uh, for the new album. Uh, I think he's one of the most underrated metal singers out there. Um, how was the transition with Dave Garnett on lead vocals? I know it was kind of, a, like you said, somewhat last minute, but what? Uh, how did that uh, all play out? Um, well, we'd, we'd, we'd known there was um, the, the situation with Cy was, was coming. I think we've, we've seen it for a, a long time. Um, Cy hadn't enjoyed touring. Right. Um, and also, we're all about touring, you know, that's, that's what we do. Um, so we, we've seen this situation coming. Um, we've kind of been prepared a little. <laughs> Not that you can be prepared to, <laughs> to replace your lead singer is tough. Right. Or, or, or we thought it was going to be tough, you know. Um, so so come February, sort of end of January, um, we, we had a festival in uh, Sweden. Um, which I um, couldn't make at the last minute for uh, this reason or the other. So we, instead of canceling the festival, because we hate canceling shows, you know, so we, we asked Dave to step in. We've known Dave for a long time. Dave's a massive onslaught fan. Um, so he jumped at the chance to, to step in for Cy on this show and did an absolutely incredible job. Um, wow. It, 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 he had two weeks' notice for the show. So I think he That's learned amazing. a 50-minute <laughs> I know, 50 minutes set. He learned in two weeks. Um and absolutely nailed it at the festival, you know. There's a lot of old school onslaught fans there. Oh, sure. And, and they were blown away. So wow. that kind of, all of a sudden, we were kind of slipping into a, a little bit more relaxed mode, you know. Because, um, yeah. I think pretty much when we got back from the festival, everything sort of cleared itself out and we, we knew side wasn't going to continue. Um, so we offered Dave the job there and then. It's just seeing what he'd done um, at the festival. So he demoed a couple of the new tracks. Um, did amazing on that, and and we just set him up to record the album within three weeks because we we'd done all the tracking by then for the for the the record. Um, all it was needed. Off he went, learn learn all the tracks in three weeks, and then and did what he did, man, and just absolutely blown away by what what he's done on the album. Yeah, I had no idea it was that quick of a crash course because that's impressive. And <laughs> and to listen to the last album, uh, Six, and then this, I mean, you could tell it's a different singer, but it's not radically different. So it really, in my opinion, didn't really change the sound of the band that dramatically. It just made it, I think the whole thing just sounds amazing. I'm really impressed that you said it was that short a period of time. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's something that was very important. I mean, we have to be careful. I know, I know it was turned around quickly, um, but it was so important that we had somebody that 
it wasn't too dissimilar to sign um particularly doing the the, the old back catalog stuff oh right? yeah because we, we still play that all the time and, and fans want to hear that so um if it came out sounding radically different it would have been a problem i think oh um, sure but as we said the transition was smooth and uh, dave sounds great and if anything he's added more aggression to the sound um, oh yeah it's amazing um, and which the, that, this album needed that, you know. Um, so it's it's worked, and it, it was quick. It was it was painless. It was amicable, and it's it's just worked so well. That's great. That's great. Now, what about the cover art for this one, Nigel? Would you guys? How'd you guys go with that? Um, Jeff, our bassist, does all our artwork. Generally. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's done that ever since uh, Killing Peace album. Um, the only the only one he hasn't done was the the front cover artwork for for six, but every other um, front cover he's done, all the inner sleeves and oh wow, and everything. wow. Jeff always does that. So yeah, um, it's uh, always kept in the house. Generally, makes it nice and easy. We get exactly what we want. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and everybody's really loving the the front cover on this one. Oh we yeah, try to, to keep it pretty old school. Um, yeah, with the, with the central image kind of looking back at the four stage, you know, the, the kind of round central image. So it's like, yeah, um, everybody's blown away. So I think we've, we've got some t-shirts coming next week. So oh, amazing. hopefully that's going <laughs> to go well. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, that's funny. You mentioned Jeff. Cause I was going to say Jeff's uh, clown makeup was the creepiest in that video. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of curious what he looked like without it. Cause I had seen it. I was like, wow, that's friggin' tr- crazy. I just love that. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's into all that stuff, so I think he, he took the extra strides on Oh, I'm sure. You could tell he was getting into it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> now, I love the song and video that you did for A Perfect Day to Die, and I read that that was a bit of an homage to your friends in Motorhead. And how much of an influence were they on you guys, obviously being you know British and, and you know coming up at the same time you guys did? Um, massive influence Motorhead were on 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 onslaught for sure. Um, from from day one, um, probably one of the reasons we formed them, uh, Motorhead and and Discharge, our other main influence um, when we formed sort of late '82. Um, right. And then we had the 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 pleasure of um, going out on tour with Motorhead in 1987. Oh wow! Um, on the Tron tour, which was massive. Oh um, wow! And it, it really took Onslaught to the next level back then, you know, we just released the Force album previously, previous year. Um, and then this European tour came up with Motorhead. It was amazing. Um, and they, they just taught us so much. They gave us everything on tour. Um, everything we wanted, you know, they looked after us so well. And they just taught us, I mean, being young kids, they they taught us how to tour, the, the, the etiquette and the, the, the respect you show people on tour and, and how to do things. And we, we've taken that on board and, and took it with us ever since. You know? um, That's but, cool. But it was amazing. We, we used to have breakfast with them, lunch, uh, drink after the shows, and it was just the best month that we ever had in Onslaught. I think it was incredible. I'm sure. Now, what was it like? I got to ask, what was it like hanging out with Lemmy? That had to just be a trip just from what I've seen on <laughs> videos and stuff. I can only imagine what it's really like. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's exactly as he come across. He's, he's, uh, he's very outspoken. <laughs> he's a very strong character, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. And, 
And uh, you don't really mess him around, or you, we, we didn't certainly mess him around at the time. But, right. but he's a lot of he's a lot of fun. He's he's really he's got a very dry sense. I had a very dry sense of humor, you know. Um, right. But incredible, incredible guy, you know. Um, oh, and that bass incredible. tone, just unmistakable, uh, <laughs> unmistakable. <laughs> I, re- I remember the first um, we we met up with them. The first show was in Zurich, in Switzerland. Um, and we just arrived as they were about to start sound checking, you know. And uh, Lemmy walked out onto the stage before they went into a song, and just swiped his hands across all the all the knobs on his amp and just turned everything. <laughs> Gotta love the Lemmy stories, man. Nigh just cool as hell. It was, uh, was great. A, really awesome to get to talk to him that, there. That was an awesome interview. Thank you. I thank wish you. I could have fucking. I know. For that. Well, of course he's in the UK, so there's six hours ahead. So right. I had to do it at noon on a weekday That'd when I was work, at home. So, so you were it. you were at work. Damn yeah. a job, right? <laughs> I know it's frustrating. And so. go join that six 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 club, and you can That's hear right. the whole thing. That's right. If you remember the six 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 club, you can hear yeah. the entire thing which is a benefit of that of course but uh, ck you got a lost classic to talk about huh yeah it's a band it's a band from like the early days of um you know they weren't thrash but one of the first few bands that were signed with with metal blade it's a band called tyrant and he put out a, a cd legions of the dead like in 84 85 and I still dig it to this day. It, the the cover is kind of cheesy because if you look at it, it's the the typical leather, right? Metal band of leather, but um, you know the music wise, it, it's it's to me it was, it was just a, a great album to listen to, and and the band's still around. They just put out a new album couple, about a couple months ago. The Reformer put out a new album, so they're still around. Um, they just released all their their back catalog on CD, and and they're available to stream on on all the platforms. So, you know, check them out. They're they're really cool. I dig them. That's awesome, man. Now it's funny we're doing uh, onslaught this week, and we did the interview clip from Nige Rocket. And when I talked to Nige, uh, he said it was okay for us to use a part of one of their songs on the show as like a permanent thing. And we talked about what could we do with a song called Six Six Fucking Six. I mean, you got to love that. It's like a thrash anthem. It's so fucking amazing. And so what we thought we would do is when we talk about what we've been listening to, we'll start Start with that little little intro. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for our listeners now. Hell yeah, six, man. Six, six, fucking six. Hell yeah. Thanks to Nigel and Onslaught for letting us use that. That's so fucking cool. All right, so what have you guys been listening to, uh, Chris? What's uh, What's been up with oh, you? Man, we were on, when we were on vacation out in the yeah. woods and shit, we listened to a lot of shit, but one thing that I definitely remember we listened to was fucking Strap It On by Helmet, which that fucking album's fucking great as shit. And we listened to some cephalic carnage out there. But... uh that, no air supply? That, I mean, there was an air supply. We were in the woods. If <laughs> <laughs> a fucking Cashman got me fucking listening to Soylent Green lately, dude. Yeah, you still jamming that? Yeah, still jamming the shit out of it, man. Fuck it's yeah. fucking badass. That's cool. Joey, what about uh, you? Man? I've been listening to, uh, as, I mean, rightfully fitting for this age, uh, 
Guar this toilet earth. Nice. Jamming that. <laughs> right. right. Um, I've been jamming. Um, my buddy Sinworm, yeah. he just put out a new yeah. album. Fucking jams. Uh, Vitriolic Propaganda, which I just got that in the mail. Yeah, I saw you posted that on Facebook today. Fucking extreme as shit, like always. And then nice. uh, what's in my car right now is uh, Voivod Dimension Hatros. Oh, nice. I love that album. Yeah, nice. so fucking good. If, if you have one band that... I, I swear that... And they did a cover by them, but it, one band that like comes out of Pink Floyd. And even though they're a heavier version, like right. Voivod's in that realm to me. Oh, yeah. And they did astronomy domain, or uh, you know, domain. Yeah, yeah. they also so, did um, on and then next album after that they did a Pink Floyd of um, denial. Denial, believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. What about you, CK? What have you been jamming? Um, I've been listening to um the new Live Destruction, um, onslaught, um. That back the Baxter Stockman EP that that we got sent. I'm yeah, loving that. yeah, that's uh, good stuff, man. Uh, that's what that's what I've been listening to right now. Very cool. I was jamming kind of a random thing. Jenny and I were driving, and I threw on some Rush. The last Rush, which I do like, called Clockwork Angels. It's I, actually really good. Actually, uh, that I was the second good. to last album. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really like that one. And, uh, of course, Onslaught, I've been jamming the last two or three of them um, um, in a rotation. I just can't get enough of that stuff. Good shit. So, so hell yeah. So we're going to play that uh, each week, the 6-6-fucking-6 from them (laughs) as a little piece of the show. So that's very cool. Now, uh, you guys did some camping this weekend, and FTA got canceled. So yeah. did you? Uh, I don't know if you want to do it here in Mayhem because it's kind of a metal. Uh, mayhem. We'll tell it in Mayhem. It's fine. All right, yeah, that's cool. all, all I could think of is when you when I saw pictures of you guys camping is you're going to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I told him. I was and waiting for a be phone a, call. There's going to be a search party going out for right. you. Right. I mean, me and Pete are going to have to do the show by ourselves because you guys. Or are they're going to start found. another fire somewhere. <laughs> oh, shit, California. A bunch of fucking over drunk again. fools fucking let's light the fire. <laughs> um, CK, you mentioned the Baxter Stockman EP. Those guys sent in their music. Of course, Luke Oldfield's a good friend, um, and Nick Pfizer, the bass player from those guys from Three Headed Moses days, and now they got this new project they're doing with an odd name, Baxter Stockman. I don't know exactly what it means, but it's awesome. But I'm sure knowing those guys, it's got to have some really interesting story. We should have them on to discuss it. But what uh, what's this about? They sent this EP in, and what did you think? I loved it. It's five songs. It's kind of like it, it's it's hard to to pigeonhole because it's it's kind of yeah, got it's some all thrash the stuff. Yeah. Then, then like there's a couple of songs that remind me of like a Mad Boss slash Blood for Blood type of vibe. Nice, right? Um, with the vocals and a little bit with the vocals, it reminds me a little bit of um, Kirk Weinstein from okay. Crowbar. Yeah, and like and the, like the last song is like just a cool a cool jam. It, it's it's right. just I really dig it a lot. I think I think it's awesome and and. If, they if they ever put it out on you know a physical form i'd probably you know pop it fuck yeah that's awesome and people can check them out on Bandcamp. we'll link to it in the episode description so baxter stockman from columbia missouri new ep out uh what's the ep called ck do you remember oh shit is this something with a chicken it has something yeah, the chickens yeah, on I the can't, cover i can't remember <laughs> off these guys are goofy when they were doing three-headed moses stuff man they had great songs like 
666 pack and a baseball bat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, they had a wacky monkey test. They had a video for that. You can YouTube that. It's all claymation, and they did it all themselves. It's really? fucking cool as hell. Yeah, I've never seen Very, that. very creative dudes and really, really good people. I think they played. Metalhead to the bone. Three-head Moses. I'm pretty sure they played the show uh, Human Artifacts first show. Oh, they okay. came out. Chainsaw Homicide played. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, we brought them up yeah, here a couple probably. times in Low 12. We went down to Columbia at least twice a year. Hell yeah. Played with them and uh, Slug Trail back in the day at the yep. East Side Tavern. So... Good shows, and I'm I'm glad those guys are still at it. Yeah, so. d- definitely check it out. I and and I really dig it a lot. And awesome, you know, a lot a lot of times like newer stuff I haven't heard before it takes me a couple couple listens to um yeah, but um, to this, listen to it all, yeah, yeah. I this you. one, this one, like the first time I heard it, I was like, this is good stuff. So yeah, check them out. it's really good. It's really good. All right, well, very cool. Uh, we've done some good metal tonight. So, CK, what the fuck do we need to do? We got to get our mayhem on. Hey everybody out there, you get your ass down to Bob's Bizarre Bizarre and get your ass some of that 666 Club merch. You're coming straight out of hell, gonna tag your mama with it. Have fun, 666 Club. Uh, All right. Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. Another one, Chris, that was your take on it. That was fun. Uh, And before that was Onslaught Religious Suicide off the new one. God damn, Generation Antichrist. Can't say enough about how badass that was uh, to check out. and All came from CK's Thursday uh, live Facebook, man. Got to check that out. If you're missing that, you got to go check it out. You hear some good stuff. All right, now you guys got a little bit of a story from your trip this weekend. FTA was canceled, we know, and yeah. because you guys were all off and, yeah, we and still wanted to kick and, and do something together, like, fuck it, let's go do something, yeah. right? So we went over to Turkey Run in Indiana uh, State Park, and it's where in Indiana in, is that? It's, it's not far from the Illinois border. Yeah, yeah maybe like middle half of the state. Hour, maybe. Yeah, maybe half hour. No, it's it's not that. Yeah, far. it's not we'll that far it. at all. Oh. It's straight straight east, yeah. oh, straight okay. down like seventy four. Uh, yeah, okay. go right past Danville and shit. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. It's right past Danville. Okay, so uh, it was pretty cool. So we go out there, and it's there's eight of us all together. Me and Chris. Chris's son Cole, Chris's brother Michael, who the people yeah, on the show was cool. know. Cole came with, yeah, dude, he had a good time too. Uh, so our friend awesome. Brittany, our friend Derek, our friend Jake, and then uh, Dan Steinlick, uh, who was in you know Low Twelve before. Oh yeah, our buddy Dan. So he was the one. He lives over there, and he got the spot for us. Most of us right. had been over there. I, I'd never been to Turkey Room before in my life. Shit's killer. Anybody but, out there in the area? Yeah, definitely check go. it out. It's but Dan goes bad. like every right. year, so you okay. know he's used to it. He's had this spot for ten fucking years that he goes to. So we all go camping there. Well, you know, a little bit of shenanigans. We had a bunch of fun. There was about you know 
three fifths of whiskey and a fucking and a one point seven five and Jack, Jack Daniels, uh, a nice. bunch of booze, a lot of good food. You know all the good stuff. But some of the funnier shit that happened while we were there <laughs> was was the first day on Friday nine eleven. You know, and surprisingly there weren't really that many people. No, there, there was the second day it was packed as fuck. So I'm glad we can go. But we went on the river, so we're all like. Our friend Brittany stayed back. The rest of us all go, and everybody wants to get a kayak. Fuck yeah. Right? I, got a kayak. I, I get a canoe because I want a canoe, and I'm going to take my buddy Jake with me. And uh, so we get in there. So we go, and fucking Chris, go ahead and tell what happened. So we go, we go, we get to the fucking get the shit. And my son, by the way, he kayaks all the goddamn time. Yeah. So he, we get there, and he's like, fuck yeah, we're getting on the river. He sees up they, that they rent inner tubes, too. He's like, no, fuck that, Dad. I just want to fucking inner tube so i could just float down the river i ain't got to worry about nothing whatever right so luckily that happened because as soon as we get in our (laughs) get our kayaks get in the water fucking cashman and jake are in the fucking canoe we're all going fucking michael's still back behind us he flipped his fucking kayak before he got a hundred yards <laughs> no not even not that. even a hundred yards from, was like, he listening to disturbed on <laughs> oh man he no. was disturbed oh he was super disturbed so he flips the kayak okay whatever never been on a kayak before understand sure well, it happens. Flip it over. Yeah. he doesn't get that much further flips that motherfucker over again well dan had said that there's certain kayaks that have different balance and shit right so fucking I had one of the ones that supposedly had the better balance. I was like, hey, Michael, just switch me up. I'll fucking take the green one. I'll fucking kayak before it doesn't matter. It's no right. big deal. He gets in that one, flips it, dude. And the first time he flipped his kayak, dude, Didn't I could tell. did he lose his glasses? Oh, yeah. Well, well, oh, hold you? on. Not I'm yet. Sorry. I'm sorry. Not yet. When he first flipped the fucking kayak, I knew it was like, oh, shit, this is going to be a bad time. Yeah, Michael because he had a brand new pack pissed. of cigarettes in his fucking pocket. Oh, he God. gets out, he pulls them out of his pocket, and, he just, and he, Michael gets that look on his face. If you know my brother, that look, it's like, oh, this is going to suck. He just crushes, like, water just draining out of these cigarettes that he's crushing, just Uh-oh. slams them on the ground all fucking pissed, dude. So finally, after wow. the third time, he fucking goddamn flips the kayak. We're just like, all right, cool. <laughs> Jake, you jump in the kayak. Michael, you jump in the canoe with fucking Cashman. I'll let yeah. Cashman go from here. Yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll throw Michael in here, and I'll fucking at least get us down, because I know how to canoe and shit. So. Right. All right, so Michael fucking hops in with me, and we're going, and this motherfucker just has no fucking sense of, like, stabilization. No, and, dude. And, and he's, he's not used to being on the water, so he is fucking, I mean... He's- Paranoid. I'm in the back of the canoe and can feel his tension <laughs> fucking me up. You know what I'm saying? Wow. He doesn't know what to do with the, or like nothing. He just never did it before. Like sure. You know we yeah, got to go. It's understandable. But so we're going and like I'm telling him like every now and then I'm like getting it going. I'm like there you go. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're going all right. I mean, we're not a quarter of the way into this fucking thing yet. Dude, we're right. a couple hundred yards yeah. from where we start from. We got three miles to yeah. go. And oh, fucking, <laughs> so I'm fucking, I'm fucking going. We got Michael, and fucking we're coming up, and I see the fucking rock wall coming at us, right? We're going to hit it dead on. Oh, God. Whatever. <laughs> if you hit the thing, we're not going that fast. Just push off. You right, know, that's what I'm off, thinking. Yeah. But right. Michael's up there. Fuck. I mean, he won't even drink his beer because he's so fucking freaked out, you know? And I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm sitting back there, and 
we've got like a few things in the canoe because we're supposed to be the dry thing. So everybody's right. throwing their fucking yeah, my crew, their bags their and everything else oh, in, the, in the canoe. Dude. <laughs> Dude, we hit that fucking wall and Michael just starts fucking, I feel the front of the boat just going. And I go to fucking shove the fucking paddle down the side. Because it had been shallow right. enough you could hit the No, bottom. we're in this fucking deep ass spot. You we're can't. fucking dunked underwater. <laughs> can't touch the bottom. Dude. Oh, man. <laughs> we were just fucking flowing everything. My bag of weed just fucking so like, I was like Jesus Christ so we fucking swim back over to the bank fucking but we drag the canoe full of water we got most of everything back though we did Michael's glasses unfortunately the one thing that oh, got lost man. so we bring it back over we dump it out and we tell Michael we're like look just fucking jump on the tube yeah, you know what I'm like, saying? Right. Cole, like Cole, you get in the kayak because, like I said, Cole's kayak. Yeah. Oh my god! So like, Cole, give your uncle the fucking inner tube. Fucking, you take the kayak. Yeah. Is he with Michael freaking <laughs> so, out like mad? He he, he was did a little really upset. well. He yeah, ended he, up walking like two thirds of this shit. Uh, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Because some of the spots were too fucking shallow to even fucking yeah, really no, tube. Yeah, it was no current. So at, to be honest, he did really good because I thought he was going to be like, fuck this shit and leave in the first place. Right. Yeah. He yeah. talked about it. He's yeah. like, I'll just turn around and go back there. But you know what? He ended up and making went, it with had us. a good fucking time, dude. And, and you That's know, good. that was the funniest shit. Uh, and then we, you know, we went, we went hiking the next day, went on some trails that, in all honesty, Michael, I gave him props because that wasn't you no know, easy shit. He's dude. not an agile dude. Right. And fucking... That it, was cool. Lots of fucking stairs. Like there was ladders in certain spots that were wow. like straight. There were certain other shenanigans. Chris lost his wallet, so we Dude. searched for that for fucking I, like hours. Like the second day we were there, after we got back from kayak yeah. and shit, I lost my fucking wallet. We searched for it for hours that night. The next day, even the day we left, left without my fucking wallet, dude, because I fucking lost that motherfucker. Oh, called the place and, and canceled his car. Yeah, me and Cole are on the way home. I fucking call, cancel cars and shit. Get home. I'm in my backpack and I find my fucking wallet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god! <laughs> I was like, "Are you fucking?" Yeah. And I had wow. fucking pulled everything out of my backpack. Look at when we were That's originally so looking for it, up. but it was in the side pocket that yeah. I never even looked at, oh, which is mesh. Man. You can see through anyway. Right? Fucking like, god damn it! Dude. Wow. <laughs> so, so there's like, you know, there's more to this trip that we could go into, but you know, yeah, we don't yeah. want to keep it too long. This the episode's sure. already long. Yeah, but we got Turkey it. Run was definitely dope. I will say the one last thing I want to bring up that I thought was funny is is the second night we had, that was our party in this night. You know, yeah. we, we were in vibing and you know fun things and we're all sitting there around the campfire and we're just chilling fucking laughing <laughs> fucking garbage bag. all of a sudden you just hear that garbage bag fucking scraping St- across the ground behind us these fucking raccoons came up stole snatched our shit it, dude. fucking snatched it tried running off through the woods and we had jake and chris oh, go wow. after them they cornered them and fucking got the trash bag because our boy jake he fucking carries two lightsabers around all that. so yeah. we got these fucking lightsabers going after these motherfucking raccoons oh, they just man. stopped and looked like i don't even know what the fuck that thing wow. is <laughs> it's fucking crazy that was so funny that Next morning we wake up, everybody's cars just have raccoon paw prints, prints all, all over, over the, the fucking side of, side of the car, <laughs> like they were trying to see if anything was open. You know, oh, <laughs> wow, that's fucked up. But yeah, Turkey Run, man. Indiana, man. All right. Right. It great. wasn't even. It's not Sounds that like expensive, a good time, man. Yeah. That's cool. I'm just glad you guys made it back. Yeah, yeah we're here, man. To the search crew. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fucking good times. Oh man, well I'll tell you what, guys. We've been building up to this big moment. We've been talking about it. Hell, Hell is here. Hell, coming. here. Hell is here. It's going to be amazing. It starts tonight. We are two past two hours and ten minutes into this episode. I bet we go almost three hours. Sorry, guys. But whatever. Yeah. 
We're doing our thing. Uh, Hell Coming, of course, brought to you exclusively by our by friends. Folkin at, Nuts. Yeah, go Folkin, Folkin Nuts. nuts. Uh, Folkinnuts.com. That's F-O-K-K-E-N nuts.com. And get some of the best peanut butter I've ever had in my life. Really good stuff. They've got, you know, the plain and the crunchy, but then they got cookies and cream, snozberry, bees nuts. They got some funny names. Really good stuff. White chocolate, brownie, s'mores, monster cookie. I mean, amazing shit. So go check it out. And it's cool that they're sponsoring the uh, contest. Hell so yeah. I have personally ordered three different times. Uh, that's how much I like this stuff. And they're sending in some samples we'll get to try next week on the show, hopefully. So uh, we'll send CK some, and we'll all get to try it. Hell yeah. So, it's all really cool how this all happened, because like, I had never heard of it in my life until I walked in your house and saw it. Yeah. yeah. And then now, from that, now they sponsored our shit. Yeah. It's really cool, <laughs> man. It's really cool. All right. Now, Chris, it's all up to oh, you. Oh, God. We are going to find out what the temperature is outside right now here now, in let, Hayworth, Illinois. Now, let's relate Illinois. to people that haven't been listening to the podcast, maybe. Last right. time, there was <laughs> Chris was really big about reading <laughs> his uh, battery life. Battery yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, the temperature, My battery Chris. life is 80%. Yeah, it, it was, 92 it, it, degrees it, in March. Yeah, yeah it was <laughs> winter, and it was like 100. <laughs> yeah, my battery life yeah. is 80 right now. Okay, but it's <laughs> not 80 degrees. The temperature is 64 degrees. 64 degrees, <laughs> so that's an even number, and that's... That makes a big difference here. So the way this works, we came up with a list of 32 killers. Each of us came up with eight. And then we took those and randomized them in pairs so they're tag teams. And so we've got these eight tag teams going at it to see who's going to win. And we normally do killer cage match. We have one killer one on one killer fight in the cage. Objects and, yeah, yeah, and the listeners participate so this is kind of like a playoff of that with tag teams and we get ourselves tag in on this because again. we rank how we think these tag teams are going to play out right. One, and, it, and it's pretty and it's all random of so. course of course except, <laughs> except we actually did choose yeah we chose ours yeah, that we yeah. Thought would win. right so like the number one tag team i thought is worth you know the most points right. and the least is the less so right. so each of us came up with our list and I got those. And then we got four listeners that we whittled down from uh, doing trivia contests. Yep. And we've got, who do we got, Chris, competing this week? Uh, tonight we have Rebecca. Yeah, let's get it, Rebecca. That's we got who Re you're playing for. That's who I'm playing for. We got Rebecca from Wisconsin Rapids. Right. And Joey, who are you playing for? Dude? Uh, I'm playing for Earl from Pontiac, Illinois. Hell yeah. And I got Chris from Flowery Branch, Georgia. And CK, who are you playing for, brother? I got Nihilus Jello from Hollywood, California. Yeah. Hollywood. The stand-up yeah. comic slash actor. He's Hell a yeah. trip, man. So we got four good ones. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and play for them. So the way this will work is based on the temperature. If it's an odd number, then the first mat or the first tag team in the match wins. If it's an even number, then it's the second team that wins, right. okay? And you said it was 64 degrees. 64. So that's an even number where I went to school and where everybody went to school, right? I, I didn't go to school, son. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's an even number, here's how it goes. So the matches, let me back up and say who the matches are here. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. First week. All right, the first match, we got Kendall Francois and Randy Kraft. And Kendall Francois... 
uh, Joey's a pretty fucked up dude. Poughkeepsie, yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah Poughkeepsie, yeah. New York. Uh, some people might have seen the Poughkeepsie tapes. Which right. is, uh, that's actually where I first heard about him. It's kind of like a Jeffrey Dahmer kind of situation. Right, and this there. dude, uh, he would, you know, abduct prostitutes and definitely was a disgusting motherfucker. Yeah, strangle him by, out. I think he had seven kills. Something like that. Yeah. And then Randy Kraft was fucked up. Oh, he, he yeah, was kind of like Bordello a little yeah, bit. Like Very much. They man. were kind of the same as well. But he so. was uh, more about being on the road, though. He was a yes. high five killer. Right. And he probably killed around 50 people wow yeah we got him on the schedule for sure and then those two are fucked up going up against lizzie borden and dylan roof who's that fucking dude that shot up the The church the black church right yeah Yeah. Yeah. so that fucking racist piece of shit that's the first match then we got ed kemper and lawrence bittaker who's a fucking sadistic son of a bitch both of them yeah yeah, both of them versus carl panzram and eileen warnos which is hilarious because they're the two that fought in in the march madness uh uh, contest that all. we did or March and now Mayhem. they're a tag team and now yeah. they're teaming up <laughs> and then we got BTK Dennis Raider and Gacy that's a good <laughs> that's one a versus team right there. Peewee Gaskins <laughs> and, and Charles, Charles Whitman, Whitman. <laughs> what the fuck then Charles Starkweather and Otis Tool. That's a good one. Going Ugh. up against Gary Ridgway. I bet he, he didn't like Otis Tool with Probably him too much. Probably not. No. <laughs> I don't think so. Gary Ridgway and then Joey, you came up with Luis Garavito. Yeah, we haven't done him, and people should look him up. He is a uh, South American killer. Yeah, and he, he has an extremely high kill count. Yeah, and he yeah. was very, really very bad. A lot of them in prison people. and shit yeah. too. Really so. bad. Yeah, he yeah. killed fuck a lot of people in, in prison. prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tommy Lynn Sells, which is a good one. And Maury Travis, who is that? Maury Travis was, uh, he was a serial killer from uh, St. Louis. And this happened around 2000 or so. I was living in the area when it happened, so it was big news. But he um, abducted and killed prostitutes as well. He was an African-American man uh, who did that. And he did it all in his home but he was very much about recording everything he did okay and he was very very sadistic with how he talked to them and everything else oh wow. uh, he picked drug addicts and he would be like you know see bitch you're fucking cracking this is why your kids are never going to see you again and he you know he oh, played wow. mental games with them oh wow but yeah he's he's a good one too wow yeah he, we get some really fucked up ones and then he they're going up against david parker ray <laughs> the toy box killer and robert hansen that fucking whack job in I, alaska I like that was hunting the women right yeah, yeah. That's a good um, team. Danny Rowling, we just did him. Gainesville uh, Ripper. Jeffrey Lundgren, which is a good one, Joey. Yep. That's a good one. Uh, he was a, a, an evangelist preacher who ended up by-stepping and having his own cult. Right. And that cult ended up killing a family of five who was a member of their own cult. And, right. Uh, oh, yeah. Some other shit went along yeah. with that. But, yeah, Very they interesting the story. And then, of course, they're going up against the big old hoss, Joe Matheny. <laughs> That's a tag team in and itself. And then Jennifer San Marco, which yep. is kind of random. Wasn't she the first, one of the first, like, went postal? Yeah, yes. and she, uh, she, I mean, she's a good one, too. She went back to her, um, where she worked, the post office in California. She had been living in Arizona. She was really good with guns and stuff. Like, right. learned how to shoot and everything else. Went back there, and she uh, terrorized killed some people within a post yeah. office terrorized and held it down yeah and then uh, wayne williams and gertrude banizeski i'm gertrude. not sure if i'm pronouncing that uh, banizeski 
Uh, I don't know her. I did, wasn't familiar with her. That's like an you know, older woman. Was, Indiana. Yeah, that she was, was the older Indiana woman, grandma right? Yeah, she was had the, all the neighborhood all the kids, kids come in. That's right. Uh, what was the girl's name? Uh, I can't think of her name offhand, but yeah, they had it. It was bad. She was supposed she to be She ended taking, up going to stay with her. Yeah, she's supposed to be taking care of this yeah, girl for that's her right. parents and shit. Right. And it just turned into her being murdered. Right. And then they're going up against H.H. H. Holmes. And then C.K., you came up with William Devin Howell's uh, Connecticut serial yep. killer. That was a good one. What he do? Yeah, what do he do, C.K., so people know? Um, he, um, God, I can't even remember because I read it so long ago. Yeah, I looked it up when you wrote it down because I wasn't familiar with it because I was already living out here. But, right. yeah, he killed quite a few That's in Connecticut. That's what I was saying. He, he had to pretty Highest good body count, count yeah. for Connecticut, so. Yeah, it was high. And, and, and it was kind of like um, he's like a sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you never heard of. Right. But since three of the four people here on Murder Mel Man were born in Connecticut. That's right. That's not a bad one to that is put on the list. For sure. <laughs> and then the last match is Ted Bundy and Teresa Knorr, another one of these fucked up women killer, <laughs> fucked up with the kids yep. thing. Against Alyssa Bustamante and John Bunting, Joey, you came up with some obscure ones. I did. I was. I was trying. What the fuck? Well, and plus, whenever we did these lists, we knew that you guys would have to do your list too, and you were going to go off ours. So I didn't right. want to do like all the known ones, right? And I just right. a couple of the ones I picked were just strictly because of my infatuation with them, Jeffrey Lundgren. Um, but Alyssa right. Bustamante, I always was interested in her case because she was I think she was 15 when she committed the murder and murdered her her young neighbor and her whole reasoning was she just wanted to see what it felt like to kill somebody right. yeah. yeah wow yeah that's fucked up and then that's John Bunting yeah. was that the uh the Australian yes okay John Bunting was the the Snowtown murder that's, yeah, right. Snow yeah, Town, that's right bodies in the barrels nice <laughs> we're definitely gonna do oh, that yeah. one I have to have uh, ring get on here and yeah, talk about that shit. Yeah, him and uh, fucking uh, Ivan Malat. Yeah. Backpack oh, yeah. Oh, good. yeah. All right. So we had 64 degrees. Those are our tag teams. That's an even number. So the winners are the uh, second group of the killers. So that would mean Lizzie Borden and Dylan Roof won that match. Carl Pandram <laughs> and Eileen Warnos. Pee Wee Gaskins and Charles Whitman managed to pull that one out. Gary Ridgway and Luis Garavito. Uh, David Parker Ray and Robert Hansen. That's a scary fucking combination yeah. there. Loving the Joe Matheny and Jennifer <laughs> San Marco throwing that. Let me, let me tell you guys, when I first saw that one, all I can picture oh, yeah, in yeah. my mind is fucking Master Blaster from Mad from Max, Max. Yeah. with her up on Matheny's shoulders and them going after motherfuckers. Right? And then H.H. H. Holmes and William Devin Howell win their match, and then Alyssa Busamante and John Bunting. So very cool. So I know this has been a little confusing having to try to listen to this, but that means that we, count, we tally up the score – and Joey, unfortunately, you were eliminated. Oh, man. Oh, sad. So, sorry, 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 Earl from Pontiac. You lost this oh. round. That's okay because you still get the Murder Metal Mayhem activity book. You still get some stickers. You're going to get a, uh, a poster that we all will sign for you. Hell yeah. And then you're going to get a jar, uh, a big jar and a small jar of the Folk and Nuts peanut butter. So that's Everyone's not, a winner. That's not too bad for being eliminated from the uh, contest in the first round. So that means that me, 
Chris and CK live to see another day, and Woo-hoo. our listeners get to uh, stay in the contest. So that's how it'll work. So each week, one of us will be eliminated, and then the uh, the uh, winner will be the last one standing. So, but it was a close score, though. I mean, I was the out of that group. I was the low. I had the best score. Then CK, then Chris, and then Joey uh, right behind Chris. So, oh, yeah. All right, real quick, uh, writing update. I've been telling you guys about how I've been doing with Creation of Chaos 3. Uh, everything's been going very well. Last Supper is done. Joey got to read it. He yeah, liked it. CK, you've it. read it. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. I'm glad you guys like it. I appreciate that feedback. And now I'm working on the 666 Express. Express. So it's a. Wait, wait, uh, which I just saw a little preview you of. You did yourself. get to see a little tease. You're sick in it. You're sick in it. Yeah. <laughs> sick in, as hell. You're in this one. So it's about a train that goes from Dallas to Denver. It's 666 miles, which it is, between the two. And it gets there in one hour. So the train travels 666 miles an hour. And so these guys win tickets to go on the maiden voyage of the 666 Express. So what happened the maiden voyage of the Titanic, didn't it? That's right. This makes the Titanic look like fucking a little dance through the fucking (laughs) tour. All right. So that's what I've been doing. And we did some good mayhem tonight. So let's hit that outro, boys. Bob's Bizarre Bizarre to purchase your own fairy poster of Hell Coming, sponsored by Murder Metal Mayhem, art by Joey Cashman, and sponsored by Folk and Nuts. Come on down. All right, another Bob's Bizarre Bizarre commercial. I some crazy shit, bro. He does. <laughs> hey, Chris. Um, that was also before that was Fate's Warning Scars, uh, new song off that new album. CK, I know you're anxious yeah, for that. Definitely coming out in November. Yeah, Can't that's going to be amazing. Uh, bumper music tonight, Onslaught again, uh, Fate's Warning, Baxter Stockman, some really good stuff tonight. Also, again, thank you to Onslaught for the six six fucking six music that we can use. That's really awesome, Nige. To give us the go ahead on that, and also to Nige Rocket for doing the interview, go buy yeah. Generation Antichrist. It is an amazing album. If you dig heavy thrash, Creator, Destruction, Testament, Exodus, shit like that, you definitely will like this. Um, again, that's PowerFromHell.com, and we'll link to them in the episode description as well. Also, we've talked about our our favorite sponsor, SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com amazing uh indie artists like tony you got to support it right now great online catalog for halloween chris Dude, i mean what better amazing fucking halloween fucking yeah you need a costume i mean what's better than a human skin cowboy hat you know what and i mean awesome. that's fucking amazing and, co- and jacket <laughs> and a jacket to go with it or a vest or whatever the fuck you want because he can make it so spellbound effects and and also thanks to Folk and Nuts for sponsoring Hellcoming. We yes, appreciate thank you very that. Folkandnuts.com. 
Also, don't forget to check out Murder Mayhem, MurderMetalMayhem.com. Listen to all the past episodes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, support the show. Become a 666 Club six, member. Six fucking six. We always talk about it exactly. <laughs> and I'm serious that it is a good deal. Three bucks a month. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's nothing. You get all these interviews, the full interviews, not just pieces of them. The show a day early, the bonus episode, that Dahmer episode, right. Joey, is yeah, fucking yeah. wicked. Yeah. I, I, I would become a member of, of the 666 Club if I, if I, I do this. I would slap you in the face if you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing Ramirez next, yeah. Green yeah, Door Ramirez Intruder, dude, yeah. man. That's going to be Ramirez sick. Ramirez is going to be insane. That's going to be sick. Joe Dirt's mother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to see if Gaither will come on for that one, too, because Gaither loves Love uh, Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so patreon.com slash murder metal mayhem of course link into that in the episode description we mentioned before my website for my books petealtieri.com if you want to pick up one of them uh got some good listeners uh comments here we again appreciate everybody listening to the show uh you guys are killer chris what's that first one dude we got brenda billings says uh the episode you guys did on israel keys was great his story was just crazy and yeah. yes it was way the fuck out there. Dude put a lot of thought into what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, that's a that's hiding them fucking the understatement, kicks. right? Man. Hell yeah! Thanks for listening. Yeah, Brenda. thanks, Thank Brenda. Uh, Joey, what about the next one, bro? Uh, our second comment is from Doghead Six Six Six. Nice, and said CK is the fucking man. Love the metal bands you guys talk about. Hell yeah! Uh, thank you so much. Um, I tried to deliver. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely, dude. Yeah, gotta love that dog head 666. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure what that means, but that's badass. All right, CK, what about the next one, bro? Uh, Beatrice Wilson said, listening from London. God, we got a lot of people from London lately. We have. We uh, have. Love this show. Keep up the great work. We try. Yeah. Hopefully Thanks they dig listening. that fucking yeah. onslaught. You know? Oh, yeah, hell yeah. You, sure. I'm hoping yeah. Beatrice and everybody over there in the UK digging yeah. on the onslaught. Hey, overwhelming onslaught tonight. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. All right. And Metal God 654 said, are you guys ever going to do Slayer in your metal <laughs> segment? CK, what do you have to yeah, say about at that? Some, at some point. Again, I'm you know, sure. That's like a that's like a whole like uh yeah bonus we could do a bonus episode like on Slayer, Slayer we could it's so long and forever and there's so much that's like so a, wicked too just a Slayer no, I, thing I, yeah I, I, I try to do bands that maybe some people don't know about that yeah right they'll they'll learn about and try to and and dig a little kind of yeah. like how we do the um, serial killer right yeah I agree I like that too. <laughs> All right, well, we can't let him go without hearing a karaoke song. I was very busy this week, and I did not do a new one, but this one is worthy. I did it on a past episode, so crank it the fuck up. But first, the last Bob's Bizarre Bizarre commercial is one I did, so enjoy it. And until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. And keep your fist cranking the knob on the electricity. Hey, y'all, get down to Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. Got that new horror type of novel from uh, Pete Altieri. Kind of scary stuff, but we got that down here at Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. So get your ass down here, and uh, if you're real good, I might give you a hand job behind the fucking bazaar.
take your hand and lead you to the dance floor as the music dies something in your eyes calls to mind a silver green and all it said goodbye i'm never gonna dance again guilty feet have got no rhythm though it's easy to pretend i know you're not a fool i should have known better than the cheetah friend and waste the chance that I've been given So I'm never gonna dance again The way I danced with you